win in style We've done it for a while It's better to aim very high Then our football story will echo with glory Hello and welcome to a very special edition of Echoes of Glory. I'm ASD. I'm Jack. And joining us in the room uh, is our very special guest. Probably our first very special guest is uh, Martin Glenn, CEO of the FA. Hello. Hello. Well, we'll just go straight into it then. We've got, uh, we've got an array of questions um, for Martin, so it's going to be a really, really good show. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to go straight into them. Um, the first question is, what, what does the CEO of the FA do on a normal day? Because obviously it's quite, it's quite rare for us to be in contact with the CEO of, of someone as big as the FA, so it would just be really interesting to know what's a normal day for you. Well, there's, the good news is it's not a normal day. Mm. There's a lot of variety in the job, so you think about what the FA does. Uh, on the one hand, we run Wembley, uh, we run St George's Park, the National Football Centre. They're two massive, what we call, facilities. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff to do with that building and all that kind of thing. We run the elite teams, so the England men's team, but also the women's team, all the way through to under-16s. We're in charge of all grassroots football in the country, all amateur football. Um, we're the rulemaking body, um, as licensed by FIFA and UEFA, so there's all discipline and uh, you know, administration, so any player who comes into the country has got to get registered by the FA, so a lot of administration type stuff. We raise money. We've got a big uh, group of people there that raise money. FA is non-for-profit, which means every pound we raise, we put back in the game, and so we raise a lot of money, so we've got a lot of people doing that. So I get, you know, I get pulled all, all over the place on that agenda, and of course there's an international agenda. We have to work with UEFA, we have to work with FIFA, um, play a part there. So there's, there's often as much discussions on, say, right now, video refereeing. How do we, how do we put yeah. tests in place to see whether that can work, and that requires working with some... Uh, some of the other countries to to get a you know a you know one way of doing it. So it's really varied. I was going to say, is that, is that all? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's really interesting St George's Park because it, it often gets compared to Clairefontaine. Is is there a feeling that St George's Park should have been built before Wembley, or have we got that just right? Do you think? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I, I can't I can't live it backwards. I mean, I think I'm, we're really proud of uh, the National Football Centre, um, and I think. Um, it's still getting going. You know, it's a yeah. brilliant building. It's it's really being very well used. But to me, St George's Park is as much a you know a spiritual thing as a physical thing. How do, how do we get really top class coaching? Yeah, you know, everything you should know about football should be available at St George's Park. Yeah. So I'm really pleased we got going on that. And yeah, you might be right. It should have been done before Wembley, um, but it wasn't. No. Um, um, but it, it's still very much a. A journey. We're investing a lot of money in there, and both in terms of people. Yeah. So you know, nearly half the half the number of people that work for the FA are effectively employed out of St George's Park. Whether it be skills coaches, we've got 120 of those up and down the country giving yeah. primary skills uh, lessons to to kids, to what we call coach educators, to uh, FA education. And of course, the support—you know, medical support through performance management support to all the elite teams, the men's and the women's. So, yeah, it's. Uh, but I think there's a lot more we can, a lot more we can do on St George's Park. Sure. Well, what made you want to become the CEO of the FA, and how does that opportunity come up? Because you've got a very—I mean, you've got a biscuit past. Yeah. You? You've got a few I, I, I was 30 years in the packaged goods industry. I, I mean, I worked more recently. I had 15 years at Walker's Crisps. Yeah. That's when I got on the board of Leicester. Yeah. Um, so I did all that work with Gary Lineker and you know, Amazing. football connection there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then I worked, uh, I worked for most recently for United Biscuits. Um, yes. And how I, how I got to be involved was 
well, a couple of reasons. I, I've got um, I've got a bit of football pedigree, so I was on the board of Leicester City Football Club for five years. Can't claim the credit for this year's uh, <laughs> this year's run, although I do to people who don't know. Yeah. No, but I, won't, I won't try it here. Um, and um, I'm also I'm, I'm a level one uh, coach, so oh, I've got my coaching badge. I did that. I probably one of the first ones actually. Um, I was helping run my kids' football team, and I wanted to get a bit more um, um, science behind it all. Um, so I'd got a bit of football heritage, but actually, what the FA was looking for was somebody to come in and, having worked in a complicated uh, you know, business environment like I had to say right you know we'd like to get the finances in the FA more on a even footing we want to sure. invest more in football and less in the administration of it and we need someone to help us do that we'd like us to the FA to raise more money we don't think we're making the most of our potential so there are a number of things that someone like with my background a commercial background can apply yeah. those learnings in, in, into a different context um, and certainly we went through a painful reorganisation last year where we, we did chunk out a lot of jobs in favour of you know um, supporting the England teams and, and, and the whole development work. So I had experience of that. That's called restructuring. So I had yeah. experience of moving kind of, if you like, investment in one part of a business to another. Sure. I wouldn't say I enjoy it, but yeah. I've had experience of it. So it was... It was they weren't necessarily looking for somebody who had football experience, but the fact that I had some... Was, yeah, a, sure. was of help and so you were headhunted rather yeah. than applying yeah. for a job right yeah okay that's amazing um, the next one I mean this, this is quite a vague one but it's always really interesting when we, when we meet different people and we have different guests on is, is what motivates you so what, what makes you get up in the morning and go to work is there anything that's stopping you saying oh, I've, I've had a really successful career I don't, I don't really need to work like, I could just go and move to Spain sum myself the rest of my life like, what, what's motivating you to keep going I wasn't thinking that. It would have been a good idea. <laughs> well, yeah, I called doing the FA job my delayed midlife crisis, so uh, a bit cheaper than buying a Porsche, isn't it? Um, the, um, I think when I look through my career, I, I've, um, I, I get very motivated by challenge. I'm not, I'm not particularly money-motivated, actually, um, but I like to wrestle with kind of slightly difficult problems, mm. ones that I think I can fix rather than not fix. Um, and, and I like to make organisations better. So I think there's a bit of that. I mean, when I think about when I when I first started work for Walker's Crisps, you know, people in London hadn't really heard of it. Mm. You know, we, I joined in 1992. Market share was about 25 percent. By the time we left in 2006, it was 60. I like that. I like building something yeah. um, and, and 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 challenging yourself within that. So I think it's personal challenge building. Mm. You know, I think building is a big part mm. of it. You know, I, I feel that. I mean. It's a tough job doing the running the FA, but it's an absolute privilege. It's an absolute privilege. You know, if you love football, it's the best thing that you could do. So to leave football in a better state in England than, than you found it is personally very motivating. Um, you know, that won't be easy, but that that'll be my challenge. Yeah. So I think it's it, it's that having a purpose in, in building something. That's, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Tell you what, in meeting people with success who are who are hitting the highs, it's always interesting hearing about their morning routine. Do you have a morning routine or, or a set? group of habits that you do every morning or what does the first two hours of your day look like yeah I'm probably not as habitual as some then I'm partly as I said earlier on my day is so varied I mean I could be you know I'm not I don't just work out the office five days a week so I get up to St George's Park I travel you know so um, I I don't have quite the five day a week routine but I'll answer it in a slightly different way I go nuts if I can't exercise sure Mm. so I have to get up early and do that yeah and that's either a run around the park, yeah. uh, or I might do I might do a bit of a, a, a bit of a workout. But I, 
I mean, I have to do it in the morning. I'm a morning person, and yeah. I feel much better for having done it. So, it's a yeah, it's a run or a workout, a strong cup of coffee, yeah, um, mm. um, and then good to go. Fantastic. Yeah. And just listen to what you said about what, what's motivated you. Um, is that something that, that you've always had from when you were a kid, from growing up? Have you always been driven to, to get to the top and be the best at everything you do? Or is it something that, that has come later in life? Uh, yeah, I've, 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 I've come from a very normal background. I'm from the Midlands. Uh, you know, uh, normal family, uh, not particularly high-achieving family. No, no one worked in management or anything like that. Um, so I didn't have it from there. And I was always brought up to, uh, I guess, sort of be responsible and, you know, kind of all that kind of thing. Um, but no, I, I think it was something I, I was, my, my parents, my brother and sisters, I'm the youngest of four, always said I was very driven. Mm. Um, so wanted to make a success of things. Um, so I think my personality has always been the same. I'm not super competitive. I don't have to win anything. One of the reasons I love football, by the way, I love playing football. I think football, I think it's sport, but football teaches people to be better citizens so I've learnt to lose I've yeah. learnt how to win I've learnt how to play in teams I've learnt how without sounding too old fashioned respect authority know when to take it in self-discipline you know I've learnt those things yeah. through playing sports I think they, they, they do develop but I think what's innate you know, so I don't have to to me if I play a game I don't have to win I know some people get you know, depressed afterwards yeah. you know, I get depressed if, if England lose but you know but it, I don't have to win um, but I do I, I am driven to try and do better mm. Fantastic uh, the final one on the life question section was how has your life changed since you've been in a role that's very much in the public eye Yeah it is a big change I, and I, everyone, everyone warned me about it when I remember when I was thinking about doing the job I spoke to people I knew in football actually Gary Lineker would be a case in point yeah. Um, he knew me pretty well and had to get his assessment would someone with my background work and in, in, in football and he thought it would but the big the single big thing that's changed there's two actually there's firstly in football um, and particularly in, 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 in running the governing body of football you have a lot of people to talk to mm. so it's not what I'd call command and control you don't suddenly make rarely do you make a decision yeah. and then say right that's it. You press yeah. F nine on your computer and bang, yeah. it all happens. I mean, there are some that we're entirely in, in charge of. So it's more of a political role than that, right? Okay, we might want to get. How will we get more player time for um, preparation before the Euros? Right? Sure. You can't. You, you've got to consult with the clubs about that. That kind yeah. of thing. So the level of consultation is big, and of course, it's semi-public. Yeah. You know, so the sports ministry are interested in what you're doing, etc. So there's a political dimension to it. Is one, yeah. and then secondly, it's every decision you take is is like in a goldfish bowl. Yeah. Mm. Um, and you know, and that that can catch you out. That the most innocent of decisions, yeah. You know, gets public scrutiny. Yeah. Oh no, the FA did that. I thought, oh, okay. Well, that seems like pretty obvious to me, but yeah. Such is the interest in football in this country, and it is, it's not uniquely British, but it's, we are at the extreme end of it, and everybody has an opinion on it. Um, you know, you, you better, when you make a decision, you better have thought about it. Absolutely. You don't have to be liked all the time, but you need to have got a good reason for doing it, because someone's going to ask you. So is it, is it fairly emotionally exhausting in that, in that respect there, where there's so many things to think about, and even the things you have thought about, there will be more things you haven't thought about? Well, I think it can be if you let it. Yeah. So I think, you know, come back to, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm reasonably old. I've worked, you know, a long time. Yeah. So you learn 
you know, I, I, I think it's a personal responsibility to account for how you do a job and, and, and how you deal with it. So I'm not going to drive myself into the ground. I'm not a workaholic. I don't plan to let work get me get me depressed. Sure. Um, so I think you have to then have a, a mentality and approach that says, well, okay, all this stuff comes in and I'll, I'll figure out how to deal with it. That's fantastic. Brilliant. Um, so that, that's, that's the first section of all the questions that we've got. Um, we've got some questions now which are a lot more FA related. Um, and obviously we were, we were talking off, off air, me and Martin, um, and I was just saying how excited I am for the Euros, for England, yeah. and like just that this crop of players is one of the most exciting that I've seen. So it, was just, it would just be really good to, to get your point of view and what you think of the current England team, what you think our chances are at the Euros in the summer. Yeah, I talked about like, liking to build things. I think if you spoke to Roy Hodgson, he feels very excited that he's in a building phase now. So mm-hmm. he had a tough you know, deck of hand, uh, deck of cards to deal with when he first came into the job, really. Um, I think now he feels the way that it's qualified... You know, and a few sort of lucky chances that he's had to he's had to blood some young players because of injuries. I think this is a, I think it's a work in progress squad, um, but we can't help but be excited Absolutely. because you know it's work in progress. But you win, you, you you beat the world champions well in in Germany. You qualify. You know, but people don't give the manager enough credit for that. Every game we won, it doesn't happen. It's not know? it's not too long ago that we didn't qualify. Absolutely. The US, so. So I think they've they're learning how to out of you know not lose, which mm-hmm. is good. Um, I think in the friendlies we've been a bit more experimental. So yeah, we feel good about it. And, and I think what we're trying to do, and it's it is the St George's Park project, where you know really the essence of it is if you look back over the last um, thirty years as an England fan, how often as a player when they put on the white shirt or the red shirt with the three lines on the chest, how often have they played as well for their country mm-hmm. as they have their club? And the truth of the matter is, it's patchy. So how do we create, and what we're trying to do at St George's Park is very much, whether you start off as an under-16 through to the seniors, give them the same experience, build a team ethos and team spirit. Mm. You know, because it's not for everybody now just, you know, pumping the chest with the three lines. It's not just that. There's other other reasons to play for the team. But, you know, excited by them, they that they play good football, um, and and they're you know they you know, speak to Roy and Ray Lewington they're an absolute pleasure to work with all of them. That's really interesting as well what you say about because I'm I'm purely an England fan and what a lot of the England fan reactions in previous tournaments we've not done so well is that oh the players don't want to play for the shirt they're not passionate and that only really goes so far because I mean you could put me in an England shirt and I'd be the most passionate player it doesn't mean we're going to win yeah. doesn't, mean, doesn't mean we're going to do well and I think what's so exciting about this group is that. There's a style of play which we've not had before, where it's exciting to watch. There's so yeah. many young players coming through, and you can see you can see how much it means to them. Not that it hasn't meant much before, but you can just sort of see the difference in the spark in this team, which perhaps yeah, and, we haven't had before. Yeah, I mean, I think you know it, it's also not by accident. So there's been a real come back to St George's Park again, not to kind of bore everyone with it, <laughs> but you know we've done a lot of work now to apply some more science to how you should play football so in, at an international level and, and it, it's interesting actually if you look at the Premier League it's the most successful league in the world it's not translated as well as it should do into winning having clubs that are going to win the Champions League Europa League etc so you know there are stars of play at an international level which are more predictive of success um, so just having a style of play and, and you know Roy drills it into, into, the, into, the, into the players 
it's a little bit different from how you play for your club. Mm. Now, you know, the essence of, you know, the fundamentals aren't going to change, which is athleticism, skill, all those things. But, you know, we've got in-possession coaches, out-of-possession coaches. What do you do out-of-possession? What do you do in possession? You know, you, you play against different types of people. Mm. So, you know, that's that's not an accident. and that, that slowly builds. And that's actually why, you know, he's... I, I don't know what, what, what squad Roy's going to pick, but... It's unlikely that he's just going to go for somebody who's had a run of a couple of games and scored a hat trick to pop him in because yeah. it doesn't work quite like that. Yeah. A because the team ethos gets built, but secondly, the style of play—not to be regimented about it—but it, it comes back to what predicts success in international tournaments. You know, one of the key measures is how quickly you get the ball, control it, and move it on. Mm. It's really interesting. Uh, so the, the, it's it, it's a common. We aren't there yet. It's work in progress, but I, I'm the same. I, I feel confident. Um, you know, I won't be drawn on what that looks like, but I, I just know we're going to have a, you know, feel we're going to have a better Euros than we've had in a while. Fascinating. I'm going to move your mic slightly closer to you. Sure. Um, all right. Uh, who would your England first eleven be? So first game of the Euros or against Wales, the big one. Well, only, let's say that Wales is not the big one. No, I mean they're all, you know, get out the group. Yeah. I don't care what we do. You know, I'd love to beat Wales. But you know, it, it's it's not it's not the point. I heard Chris Coleman speak at the uh, PFA Awards last night, and he said the same thing. You know, so it it it, it is important. Anyway, I'm not going to be drawn on the fir- on, on the first team. I'm not sure. um, because you know it just have wrong consequences all round. But I think the I think the the nice thing about where we are now as England is that if you take the squad, it's going to be the first time ever or ever in a long time when the manager picks the squad that there's going to be controversy about who is left. I think the last few tournaments, you've kind of said, well, there's pretty obvious 22 players. and yeah. So I think there's real competition, and he's got competition for almost every place. Yeah. So, um, you know, and he's got, we've got a very good warm-up uh, three games. We're playing uh, Turkey, Australia, and Portugal, so two teams who are going to be in the Euros. So yeah. we get, we'll get a chance to kind of build that when he can see how things work in different, different positions. So um, Fascinating. Yeah. Um, so the next question is around ticket prices. So I mean, obviously, we know that um, they were capped for away fans. I think it was at thirty pound, um, and it's been a talking point for quite a while. Um, I go to quite a lot of away games, um, and sometimes we, it, it's so strange to sort of see the variation in prices from certain clubs. Like there, there was a case this season where I was looking at potentially going away to Norwich, and I think it was fifty pound for Tuesday night game, and it just QPR sixty five quid. Yeah, it was. I think the thing that, that always frustrated fans was the variation, and that there wasn't. It, it was crazy. Be thirty pound one week, then fifty, then seventy, so on, so on. Um, it's brilliant for fans that it's been capped at thirty pound. Um, we were just wondering if there was any particular reason why now that that change has come in. Was there any particular reason? Well, that's why not. That wasn't an FA decision. That would be that's a Premier League decision. So you know, there's a clear division in the game. You know that they look after their competition. Football League look after theirs. Um, but yeah, I think the I think the reason they took the decision was that, like any organisation, they want to be seen to be responsible and fair. And there's a lot of money in the game, and it's hard then to sort of to, to justify that. So I think it was, um, you know, I think they'd thought about it for a while and decided, you know, because there's a, a new TV deal coming through, they, they could afford mm. it. So I think there's no more than that. And I think there's a general point, which is, you know, without getting too much involved in the politics of fans on boards or whatever else, but, you know, as football, we, we, it's right to give fans a suitable voice. And I don't think we've always got that right. So interesting what the FA's done actually before... Before this got announced, the Premier League thing, we, we cut the price of 
uh, final tickets for the FA Cup final. Um, yeah. Which you know, I know it doesn't affect Spurs this year, but yeah, could have You know, they've been reduced by five pounds. The semi-finals are the same price they were in 2014. Mm. And the great thing about England experiences is that we we sell very consciously. You know, we, we filled Wembley for all the qualifiers, mm. and you can go as a family for about fifty quid, and you can see Premier League players with a national shirt on. You know, it, it, and and that that feels really good. Yeah. So yeah, the the I, I think making you've got to make football accessible. You've got to, it's like you know in my old world of selling crisps and, mm. and biscuits. You know, you've got to keep recruiting new people into it. Mm. And if it becomes a totally a rich person's you know game, um, then then you know it, it, in the long term it suffers. This isn't written down, but that point's really interesting because I went to a semi-final. We got smashed five-one by Chelsea, yeah. um, but one of the challenges is Wembley holds ninety-two thousand, yep. give or take, um, and there's a lot of corporate seats, and there's a lot of chat about every year about how many corporate seats there are. Is that? I mean, obviously you need to make money. The, the Wembley needs to be paid for, but what is there? Do the the clubs complain? Do the, do the supporters group complain? Is there anything being done about how many? tickets go to fans versus corporate how is that balance decided yeah well it's an FA decision and we just announced this season so for this FA Cup final the percentage that the qualifying or that the two finalists get is much higher so it yeah. goes in from 25 to 28 and a half so um, and that was quite a big discussion within the FA and, yeah. and, and the tension is not really the club Wembley that's the corporate seats because people have bought those I mean yeah. I bought two of them you know years ago when I was a civilian before I joined the FA yeah that'll be what it will be. It's more that because the FA Cup is a community proposition, so, you know, the great thing about it, you know, and I've been to every round, I've been to every, you know, I've been to places I didn't even know play football. <laughs> so it starts in about, you know, August. Um, what the tradition of the FA Cup is, is to give tickets to a lot of the volunteers who work around the counties to make these amateur teams work and semi-pro teams work or whatever else. So, you know, that's been the history. But but, but our, our view was, as an FA board really was that that's fine we can still do a lot of those yeah um but it's time to give you know it it feels that you know for the semis you can actually get more more fans in you can for the final if you're a season ticket holder at spurs you know you might not be able to get a an fa cup final ticket felt felt wrong now there's never enough for some clubs of course but to move it in that direction, felt like the right thing to go and do. It's so, great news, you know. But, but like I said, the you know the good news about it, you know, it is right that we're giving tickets away to all the people who work in counties and and make them feel part of the of the family because the FA Cup special for that. It's a big redistribution mechanism. Yeah, I mean it's vital for the amateur game. It, it all you know most of the prize money goes down at that level. So it is a you know by the time it gets to Wembley, it's glamorous. It's the big teams and all that. But yeah. there's been a story of community involvement and and you know the, frankly the, the the country being engaged which is why that ticketing yeah. uh, idea was sort of um, set up originally it's great to hear that because that's not a story that we hear often it's like we always hear it's corporate or it's fans and the fans are getting screwed over but to hear that it's going back into grassroots going back into fans yeah. is fantastic it leads us on to your yeah it does so I mean I play I play football on a Sunday um, not at a high level uh, dangerously low level um, <laughs> But one thing that, that we've found over the years um, is that we always struggle to have enough teams in our leagues for, for it to be worthwhile. Um, we've gone sort of in the last six months from having two divisions to just having, having one big division because yeah. it's, it's difficult for, for teams to, to keep going and be that 
can't get players to commit or so on and so on. But it'd just be interesting to know, like, is there anything potentially more we can be doing to combat this? Or is this something that's seen nationally? Yeah. Like that? Well, I mean, yeah, one of the biggest things the FA is there to do is to encourage participation. Mm. So that, that's a big, big part. So what you just mentioned is something that we track. And what you've just talked about is, is, a, is a trend that's been going on for a while, which is that the traditional 11-a-side men's game, and particularly on a Sunday actually, is just showing sort of 2 or 3% decline every year. And that's partly, it's life. Yeah. I mean, it's, in, you know, in, I think what it is, it's partly demographic. So, you know, when I stopped playing, I did veterans and stuff, but I stopped playing when I was 40. Um, but, you know, it, it's also pressures of life. This is a seven-day-a-week world now. So when, when, you know, Sunday football was in its prime, there was the population boom in the 1960s. Sunday was special. You know, and now people that could be working all sorts of shifts all over the place. So what you're just seeing is people saying, "I don't want to commit my Sunday morning to this because I've got other stuff I want to go and do." Now, the good news is for for, for, for people are still playing lots of football, but it's more small sided. So there's a lot of growth in people, you know, the goals and all those kind yeah. of you know five side centres, and that's great. And we you know really support that. Mm. Um, we encourage summer leagues, you know, so 60 minute games. Yeah, so that, I, I think if you look at everywhere in life, there's sort of convenience formats developing. There's smaller supermarkets. There's yeah. there's auto, you know automated banks and all that kind of thing. You're kind of seeing it in football, which mm-hmm. is the seven the eleven side game is still going to be core cool and it's still big, but I think it's you know it, it, it's not going to grow much in the next few years. Now that said, there's also a baby boom coming through, and people are you know adopting football very nicely. So the junior teams are growing and all that kind of thing. That will translate through, but, but but I think you know football changes with life, yeah. and you know I think I think that's what you're seeing. Mm. I think it's quite interesting as well that, well, you, like you mentioned, the slight decline that we've seen in eleven aside, but five, six, and seven aside growing. So it's not necessarily that people yeah. are, are not playing. It's just like you said, the format's different. I know. Well, I guess the other the other thing that's big is women's football's growing like mm. a weed, which is great. So you know. Um, you know, we look at participation in the round. Um, we're in charge. Another interesting one. We also run disability football. We've got more people now with a disability playing than you know, actually play regular rugby league because we wow, put wow. money into it, wow. and it's brilliant when you see it. You know, it'd be, either be you know cerebral palsy. I've watched blind football played, which is astonishing. I see that the mm. skill levels in that. People listening to a ball that's got a bell in it. So, we, you know, interesting, when, when the Football Association was founded, go back to 1863, it was a bunch of public school kids who went to Oxford and Cambridge and were, were annoyed. They wanted to play football, but they all had different rules. So they met in a pub in London, Prince's Arms, and agreed the rules of the game. Basically, you can't pick it up, you know, the rules we roughly knew yeah. today. And the toast at the end of the dinner, very interesting, it said, football, irrespective of class or creed. So make football open to all. So, you know, and I think that's a big part of the FA mission, whether, you know, if, if, if you've got, you know, if you're physically challenged, you've got, you know, hey, we've encouraged Stonewall, the gay teams, or whatever else. Anybody should play this game because it's a brilliant game. That's brilliant. Fantastic. That's brilliant. Uh, there's a lot of talk about Spurs playing at Wembley for, for a season while we're building our new grounds, maybe just for Champions League games. Is this something that you would encourage? Yeah, absolutely. Our role uh, as, you know, we, we are, you know, the National Association. We're there to help football. Uh, we're also there to, you know, we're also non-for-profit, so Wembley Stadium is vital for us to put money back into grassroots football. So we do run Wembley on a commercial basis, um, and you know you've got two 
major London clubs looking to well Spurs in the middle of redeveloping the ground, Chelsea talking about it, and you know we're absolutely there to help. And actually, thinking about it, Spurs maybe taking on an NFL team for two games a season, does that take away from the NFL contract that you've got, or will there be four games or five games a season? Look, I mean, the, the NFL are smart; they'll they'll want competitive tension in their in yeah. their bidding, mm. and they're they're playing a game at Twickenham, I think. Are they uh, this season as well? So yeah, it's 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 competitive. The Olympic Stadium, no doubt, gets some of it as well. Sure. So yeah, I mean, I think it, it's it's not a it wouldn't be a factor in in encouraging them or not. Spurs not to come. Okay. Um, I mean, so, I'd say if if Spurs do come, yeah. we want to make it for the club and for the fans the best experience they've had. Yeah, yeah, you know, it needs to be. You know, it's a tough thing to do. You know, you, I yeah, think yeah. it's brilliant the redevelopment plans that Daniel and the and the team have got at Spurs, yeah. and, and it will really be a big part of redeveloping N17. That's good. Yeah. Um, you know, but we we don't want it to be seen if it, if it happens as sort of something that. We, we grumpily allow and <laughs> yeah. you know Spurs you know, so if it happens it, you know, we, we commit to making it as good experience as we can we may have to have a follow up podcast where we discuss the merits of the different food stores at Wembley Way then you need one bagels. bagels yeah, yeah. bagels <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, this obviously being a Spurs podcast, we don't have too many guests on that that, that aren't Spurs fans for obvious reasons. I think um, we've ever had one, to be honest. You're the first you non-Spurs go. fan. Um, so obviously, we found out that you're you're a Wolves fan. Um, so that, is that is it something that you've just you've gone through from your family? Like, is that something? Yeah. Although down? actually, for, for lots of bizarre reasons, that there's been Spurs have been entwined in my life in various ways. Yeah. But my brother, so I'm from the Midlands. Uh, but I was born in Kent. My parents moved when I was one. My brother was six when he moved, and he, he was a Spurs fan, mm. which toughened him up <laughs> in the Midlands of the 1960s. I tell you, it turned a Spurs fan. So, um, and I got to be a Wolves fan because I say born in, in Staffordshire, so you could you know follow any club. My uncle was a mad keen Wolves fan. My dad wasn't that bothered, so you just went along with him. Yeah. And uh, but he was good to my older brother as well, the Spurs fan, and he, he took him. He took Patrick to the. Chelsea Spurs 67 Cup Final oh, wow. and he took us both to the UEFA Cup Final where, oh, really? uh, where you beat us yeah, yeah. yeah. wow um, so yeah there's a bit of there's a bit of history there with Spurs in my family That's amazing. I had a really uh, bad experience I went to Wolves away and when you guys were in the Premier League and you beat us 1-0 it was on a Wednesday night it was awful it was just <laughs> it, was, it was awful one of the things well, we asked we beat you when we were Wolves last in the Premier League as well 1-0 uh, I think you beat us a couple of one times. Minute, one first minute. minute of the game, first minute of the game, Kevin Doyle, bang. And then we'll shut up shop for about 94 minutes. <laughs> I didn't wisely borrowed some friends' tickets to a Spurs fans, and I told my son, if Wolves scored, don't leap up. Didn't happen, did it? <laughs> <laughs> but they were very nice, I have to say, very kind to me. Uh, one of the things we always do for new new uh, guests, new new uh, presenters on the show, is ask them, who's the greatest play you've ever seen live? What's the greatest goal you've ever seen live? So... Um, if you could take us through your Wolves favourites yeah I mean I think I was, I was thought about this one is, um, the player I think I most admire you know just my age partly and, and he may not be you know the most brilliant technically but I just admire him massively is Lineker Gary Lineker because when you're an England fan in the you know 80s and 90s there was a lot of bad things happening in football and he he just performed you know, golden boot in 1986 you know, we got all the way to the semis in 1990. We're desperate and lucky, and he always scored important goals. And yeah. he's just a great example. You know, I, I, I got to know him a little bit as well. And he's, um, yeah, it's like to be an elite sportsman. That you know, your mental disposition is as important as your physical. 
Um, and I just thought, as I say, um, you know, this is even before I hired him to do Walker's Crisps. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just was, as an England fan, always so impressed. I mean, the goal is the equaliser against Germany. Yeah. You know, it, it was. You know, everyone says it was close. It was. It was. It was a. You know, it was a good goal. Yeah. Good, and it had to go in. Oh, absolutely. You know, so I think just in terms, because I'm a big England fan, and you know, I, I think, yeah, Gascoigne had a huge flair, and you know, Bobby Moore was probably the most graceful person. I only ever saw Bobby Moore on television, really, never yeah, saw him no. live. Uh, but he was massive, you know, magnificently graceful. But I think, yeah, for sheer achievement and longevity, I'd say Lineker. I mean, I mean, saying you know he might not be the greatest, greatest technically in this room. He was one of the greatest strikers that oh, our yeah. team's ever seen. You know, there was. Well, he went out to. Barcelona and played in a wing. I'm like, you know, it's like, I don't think you enjoyed that, by the way. Uh, and the greatest goal you've ever seen live? Gascoigne's goal uh, against Scotland, Euro '96. Oh yeah, the, the, I was there. Oh wow! Uh, and you know, uh, it was a fantastic day, hot sunny day. Yeah. Braveheart the movie had just come out, and all the Scotland <laughs> fans had nicked the the kind of cardboard cutout of. of of, uh, of Braveheart and yeah. had all taken it with him the stadium was mixed and, but it was a good atmosphere yeah. Scotland get a penalty miss it thrown upfield and uh, it's happening in front of me the most sublime bit of skill it's over uh, Colin Hendry chips right? over Colin Hendry yeah. knocks it in the goal and then lies back on the floor for the dentist chair oh wow <laughs> yeah, but, yeah um, to see it live oh, yeah. just, just magnificent amazing that's one of the best love goals that we've, we've had, seen. I think. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. That we've had someone say, Oh, you've muddled the question all the time now, haven't you? Yeah, um, so, the Premier League this season, obviously, Leicester. Sorry, the other best goal, yeah. I'll give it you as Spurs fans. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. mentioned back to my, my uh, when I was 11 in the UEFA Cup final. So, it was a two legged affair, one at home at Wolves, first one at Wolves, second one at Spurs. Martin Chivers. Oh yeah, thunks one in from about <laughs> thirty yards, and it's those. It's great to remember these memories as footballers as kids, because the speed of light moves faster than the speed of sound. You know, you, you heard the hit of the ball about a millisecond after it, yeah. and it's oh, and it, it absolutely flew in. Amazing, um, yeah, great goal. That's yeah. wonderful. Broke my, broke my heart. Okay. <laughs> you must get to see so much great football and atmospheres. Well, um, let's atmospheres. What's the greatest atmosphere you've been in? I mean, you were. I mean, we were at the semi-finals on the weekend. Yeah. They, they seem to be rocking. I mean, yeah. you must see some occasions. Yeah. Well, well, to be honest, though, and here's a challenge for me. I think we've got. Uh, look, I mean. Palace fans, I think, were fantastic. Mm, yeah. Really noisy, excellent. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, you can go, you go to a lot of clubs and you get really good, really good noise. It can depend a little bit of the stadium. Yeah, uh, Leicester, the, you know, that, that's a that's oh, a good is, stadium. Yeah. They've always been really good fans there yeah. as well. But actually, you go to a German game. You, you go to a go to a German team play, and that really rocks. Is, is that, that a really, pricing? Is that the result of pricing? I don't do think? think it's as simple as that. I think it's a rate, it's a number of things, but it might be. Mm-hmm. It might be, but you know, because uh, we 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 say so we, we run Wembley Stadium. We want Wembley Stadium to be you know the best stadium there is, and, yeah. and we want to create more atmosphere there. To be honest, it can be a bit quiet. Mm-hmm. So we're thinking, right? How might we you know how might we learn mm-hmm. whatever the lessons are? And Wembley's case for internationals, it's not pricing. There must be something else. Yeah. So we need to think about it. But yeah, if you go to a you know Dortmund game or something like that, it really is yeah. you know noisy in there. They're, they're they're pretty impressive fans. I know we don't like to compliment the Germans, but I think you kind of have to. So. I tell you what. So uh, what? And my my thing. Spurs have recently. So we used to have one bit of music before the game started. Now it's about five, and it takes about yeah. a quarter of an hour for a game to start. 
and there's Wembley definitely has that really loud pumping music before because I, I go yeah. to Wembley a couple of times a season and it, the, the atmosphere can't build up because of the music so uh, top tip from Echoes of Glory music, okay, turn we'll, it down a bit we'll, we'll, we'll play the liquidator <laughs> <laughs> um, our Spurs title this is in your, oh no what have you made of the Premier League this season has it been the most exciting Premier League season to date yeah pretty much I mean you go back and see Blackburn winning it um, was a bit of a upsetting of the apple cart as well yeah. but I just think it's fantastic yeah. and I know that you know the the creme de la creme of the Premier League you know don't really think so because it's upset the new world order and all that stuff but yeah. you know it's um, it, it, it's and Chelsea you know so Leicester aren't a poor team you know no no team in the English Premier League is poor so no. they've used their money very well I'd say uh, look at it um, and, and you see a lot of other clubs you know West Ham have done well um, you know Southampton doing well so I think you know that what people don't appreciate about the Premier League is what a massively you know redistributed mechanism that is compared to other leagues so it shares the money really fairly yeah so everybody you know even if you're near the bottom gets a big chunk of that revenue if you're in Germany it's less Spain, Spain, is all Spain. Crazy, yeah. so that's why it's two teams winning two so I think you know it's not you know to, to, to be fair to the Premier League they've, they've created that type of Absolutely. system but yeah I think it is fantastic and I was at the PFA Awards last night and Great seeing Mahrez win it. Yeah. Vardy got uh, recognised for scoring his 11 consecutive goals. And Deli Alley. You know, Deli Alley, absolutely. Uh, Milton Keynes boy. Yeah. So it must be wonderful <laughs> for you for all of this success, not all of it, but all of it to be built on English talent like Spurs. And there's a lot of it in Leicester and Southampton and West Ham, as you say. That yeah. must be brilliant. Um, obviously, it's, it's painful for us. I say painful, but we're, I mean, we're second in the league at the moment. It's been an amazing season for us. We're so close. Um, do you think the Spurs are top contenders for the next few seasons? Certain certain pundits said that we're one hit wonder, and that next season when the, the big boys come back, we'll struggle. Um, other pundits said what Pochettino's done is installed a philosophy there that that will see us at the top for the next few years. I mean, what, what's your opinion on that? Well, without playing to the gallery, Spurs have always been a top team. I know you you've got really high expectations there, and, and you know, it's right to have. Um, I mean, there is you know success normally follows money just to be brutal about yeah. it so you know the the teams with the biggest resources should if they spend the money right be able to get there but I think you know what you've got in England right now is you know that a lot of clubs have got quite a lot of money so you know and it doesn't have to just be on new players it could be on the academy it could be on the training grounds I mean you know, what, what Spurs have spent you know, the, the training ground I mean, if you've ever been there is a it's it's magnificent yeah. if, if I were a Spurs fan I'm not I'd be so proud of that. I tell you what, as, a, as an England fan, I'm absolutely. I think it's it's fantastic too. So, I, I would think so because I think there's a philosophy of play there, which I would guess would predict success. Mm. It's the the spine of the team is young, so you'd think you know think why not? And there, and there's some of your rivals have got a bit of rebuilding to do, and money. And the, you know, I think that's the big lesson: throwing money at it rarely solves it mm. as Spurs found with the Gareth Bale yeah. you know it, it's hard to you know no criticism anyway it's hard to spend that money to straight away get that effect so I'd say your foundations are very strong and once again being, given that I'm responsible for the England team you know seeing a spine of players that could represent the country at a young age you know they'll just continue to develop so yeah I'd hope so Final question. I'm gonna. So you haven't wanted to single out players. So if I jump back to the question I missed, is where do you expect English football to be in ten years' time? Are you going to be at the head of it still? And what do you want to see the change in the yeah. FA? Well, the the average life expectancy of a CEO is not that long. So <laughs> no, ten years have been going some, really. Um, 
Uh, so it's 10 years' time, so that would be 2026, I, I think what would have happened? Um, well, I'll start with the grassroots. I think the women's game, we've got a target of growing the women, doubling the women's game by 2020. Yeah. Uh, what that means is we'd like the England manager, Mark Sampson, to have as many women to pick from as his German and French counterparts. So we, you know, we did really well in the World Cup, but we massively overperformed versus our, you know, world ranking. So women's football come third, is that right? come third, yeah. yeah, yeah. So women's football will continue to grow really well. So you'll see a much more gender balanced sport. I don't think there'll be as many women as men. Um, yeah. I think women's football will as well be more financially sustainable, and you know, you'll see that as a, you know, a, a real product. So I think the women's game is going to develop really well. Um, I think England by 2026 will have won a major tournament. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, I, I think, and even, you know, whilst it might be hollow if you kind of play this in 2026 and we're wrong, I think what the real objective is is that because of the sheer depth of English football, you know, the way it's played by everybody, the money in the game, we should be going to major tournaments challenging, you know, challenging for it. Yeah. And, and we've sort of, we know over the last 50 years it's been, you know, highly, you know, Volatile. Yeah, volatile. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think, you know, the, the, the problem is we don't, we have no right to win a tournament. We're only 60 million people, you know, if you're playing Germany, 90 million people, they've got 50% better chance. So, you know, false expectations are no good. But actually, the, the depth of our play, yeah. I think, means that we should say whenever there's an international tournament with England playing, men and women, people should be saying, you know what, they're one of the favourites. Not the absolute favourite, and, you know, things will come in peaks and troughs. But I think we'll have, we'll have, Done something significant by then, so I think I think you'll definitely be seeing yeah. that. We will have sorted out. We'll have a more rational fixture structure. Yeah, you know, I think we'll have you know we'll have had to sort out. It feels like it's a bit too kind of frenetic right now. Um, you know, maybe get a winter break. Yeah, you know, wow, those kind of things. So I think we'll we'll have evolved the game, and you know, as you as you have to go and do, but. not easy things to go and do and then you know the one thing in grassroots football that I'd love and we're working on very hard is I'd love there to be a a database of whoever plays or participates whether it's players match officials league secretaries club secretaries you know with social media now we you know it's practical to get a database of players so when I did my level one coaching badge I didn't get an email a couple of years later saying do a level two. Yeah. I didn't get a, I didn't get a telephone call saying do you want to be a ref. So it happens, but not in a systematic way. And I think if we're to keep football as the you know standout national sport, which it is because yeah. it's brilliant, then using information technology or not social media or, or, or you know phones or whatever to, to collect data on who's playing, when are they playing, why are they not playing. I think will be massively important to us. And then linked to that, I think by 2026, if your kid's turning up to a local club, hopefully a charter club, the coaching experience will be stand out and, and much better. So it's getting better. But uh, an unspoken part of the FA's work is coach education, really applying the principles of how people learn nowadays and, and, and indoctrinating coaches into that way of thinking rather than having a dad yelling from the sideline and barking. So I think, you know, that's that's we've, we've lost a few years on that one. It's being corrected. And I, I would love to think that, you know, uh, if any of your kids are turning up to a club in 2026, that they that they get a coach who's smart, who yeah. inspires them, yeah. who makes them want to play, who can who can 
drill into them the things they need to all have drilled into before they turn 10 so that they can then go and develop on it. So, yeah, high-quality coaching experience, you know, probably made better by having, you know, um, content from around the world and, find, you know, make it easy to see how Brazilian kids are learning, etc. So using the scale of football to inspire and get better performance and just, just make it feel like a, a higher-class experience. This has been fantastic. Amazing. Can I ask you two really quick fire questions? Yeah, last ones. Yeah. Your favourite England shirt of all time? Um, 66. 66. And your favourite flavour of crisp? Oh, cheese and onion. Cheese and onion. There you go. That's um, easy. Martin Glenn, CEO of the FFA. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks, Our title bid. Hello and welcome to season five, episode thirty-two. Uh, I'm ASD. Who are you? I'm Jack. Who are you? I'm Andrew. Now you, you're just going to drag your mic across the table. Oh, I was just moving it a bit closer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> um, th- this is a big one for you. We think. I believe so. Yeah. Why? Fiftieth episode. We should have done. Landmark. Which Spurs player only had fifty appearances? We should have done. Yeah. We should have prepared basically. Um, now Abbas. 619 will be with us very shortly. Now, the, I'm very excited to say he's, he's walked all the way over from, well, halfway across London, um, about two, two tube stops away. Whoa. Gareth, how are you? Mate, it's good to be back. You, know, I was, it, you are back. back. I, I was hoping that this was going to be a massive celebratory podcast on many levels. But unfortunately, as soon as my name was on the invitee list... All fell to pieces on Monday night. Hashtag Gareth to Jonah. Is that, is that what we're doing? <laughs> now, uh, for those of you who don't know the dulcet tones of uh, Gareth here, he is dulcet here. Um, someone once described uh, you to me as I said, Have you seen Gareth? And I went, He went, Who? Um, and he, I said, Gareth. And he went, Oh, the man made of granite. So I don't know whether that's a compliment or not. Well, it probably was at the time. I wouldn't say that's the case at the moment. No. no. A little well, bit softer than that. You're married now. You don't have standards anymore. Welcome <laughs> 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 to my world. <laughs> that um, would explain a lot. Well, um, so before we had the, the, the Stato chair over here, the man who was our stats man was, was you. Is that fair? Uh yeah, well, to a certain extent, but there's always a bigger stato. There is always a bigger stato, and um, but let's let's do our typical introduction. So, what was your first game at Spurs? Well, first game, as I've said a couple of times on air, actually, but a long time ago. So, for the benefit of new listeners, yeah, uh, it was December twenty sixth. Yeah, West Ham at White Hart Lane, nineteen eighty six. With their stato. Is this three one? Four nil. Yeah. <laughs> I got the number of goals. Away. <laughs> yeah. Steve Hodge made his debut. Yeah. It was part of that great season, the eighty six eighty seven season, where we were certainly at that time competing on three different fronts. Yeah. Clive Allen got his obligatory goal that day as well. One of forty nine for the season. Got a lot season. against West Ham that year, didn't he? He did. He did get a few hat trick against Villa. He liked anyone in claret and blue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and who got the other one? Chris Waddle, I think, got the other one. There were forty nine thousand at White Hart Lane, and I was wearing full. Hummel kit Amazing. underneath my jeans and shirt Amazing. that I'd received the previous morning on, on Christmas Day. Your favourite goal you've ever seen live? 
and favourite player oh blimey favourite goal I've ever seen live I I think it was one I think maybe it was scored by Nick Barmby against Blackburn in the 3-1 win in their title season it was a Sunday game it was on the TV and while it wasn't any spectacular effort in any way it was just it was on the break it was to put us 2-1 up I think and because Blackburn were the title contenders it was just the atmosphere that day. Oh, man, I'm telling yeah. you, you know, it was it was dark. It was yeah, like yeah. a February, and the place just took off. That was fantastic. Uh, favorite player? I was always a fan of Glenn Hoddle. He was my favorite at, at the time. I used to wear my shirt untucked yeah. to emulate him. Though I was absolutely nothing like. Well, I was quite tall. Well, if you look like him. That's, that's all that matters. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I, I guess I did actually try and go I for a you. slight over the collar <laughs> hair look. In the mid eighties, but I was only ten, so my parents probably cut it that way anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I haven't written agendas. This might be an awful episode, but I wanted to read you something that's been doing the rounds on Twitter. Twenty two points above Chelsea, fourteen points above Liverpool, ten points above uh, the Manx, five points above City and the Gooners. We've scored the most goals. We've conceded the fewest. We've got. We've scored the most goals now. You sure? I think City went, City City went, went above us. Yeah. Oh, right. Only by one. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. We're, we're almost there. Young Sunny had the most shots. Yeah. And we've also taken the fewest on target as well, or the least on target uh, against us. Young is um, the young PFA player of the year. We've got the runner-up for player of the year. Four players in the team of the year. The youngest average age squad. The best manager in the league. Play the best football. We've covered the second most distance at Bournemouth for beating us by just chasing the ball. We've got the most, had the most possession. No team has done a double over us. We're the only team not to concede more than two goals in any game. The only team not to be beaten by three clear goals. Um, we did the double over City. We weren't beaten by either Liverpool or Arsenal. Um, Man United only needed an own goal to beat us. We beat them at White Hart Lane for the first time in 16 years. We've got the top goal scorer, five England internationals. We've got Champions League next year. Let's talk about the draw on Monday. Not, not, not a bad start to show, that, is it, at all? What do you feel? It's you not c- quite been good enough, has it, no. sadly? Here he is. 619. 619. Roger. <laughs> um, you need to share a mic with... Hi, Oh, yeah, just, just introduce Good yourselves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jack, can you move the mic closer to him and then can you share... It? There you go. Uh, evening, Abbas, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> just talk. We just we just got onto West Brom. We've just had a really positive bit, but you've missed that bit. So, what are your feelings on West Brom? Um, and move closer to the mic. It just had an air of inevitability about it. Really, um, <laughs> it just. I mean, the whole game where we you can see in the first half where we were playing out from the back and we like Vertonghen and uh, Loris were just you know dawdling on the ball. It just had. It, you could just feel it happening and when we didn't get that second go and West Brom came out second mm-hmm. half and um, they came out second half and they were a ch- change team yeah um, and they had more of the ball they had more you know they just looked threatening yeah and I think the turning point was not getting that second with Lamella when he hit the post yeah it was really unlucky um, and I think to be fair it looked like West Brom could have gone on and won it yeah, potentially. I mean, we we had the the opening. Ext- I mean, we're, we're a few days late on the podcast, so I don't want to dwell on West Brom too much. Is there anything? Were you there? Yes. Um, it, was, it was it was nice to be reminded of what a boring Pulis game after the highs of Stoke and Man United. I don't know. It was a slightly different performance from them because they had a bit more going forward. They definitely 
stopped Walker and Rose, that we were not as effective as we've been, and it kind of threw us. Mm. And we had to try and play through the middle. And, and for all of our good approach play, we never really quite made... I appreciate we hit the inside of the post twice. We didn't make brilliant opportunities um, for cut. I don't recall Kane mm. having, other than that shot, I was a lot. Say, I think the stat was after we went one up, we didn't have a shot on target. Really? We didn't have a shot in the second half, did we? Yeah. It didn't didn't seem to be. I mean, I, I had the same feeling of inevitability at Stoke when Ericsson hit the bar as well. And mm. the difference was that Stoke never came out and played football in the mm. second half, and they they were never threatening. But West Brom. No, they did have 14 shots as well or something. So all the time then, when they were going up towards us and looking like they were at least going to carve something out, you knew that one goal probably wasn't going to be enough and this was the the day when it wasn't. Didn't you think, though, I mean, we've got such a resilient back four, we've got Dyer being that screen in front. I, I, I didn't feel the inevitability of it. I mean, I kept praying we'd get a second because in the end we needed it, but... I wouldn't say it was... Oh, we've had far that. worse performances than that, far worse yeah. draws than that. I mean, the Stoke draw was far worse than that because of you know, conceding the two-goal lead. I Absolutely. mean, it, in hindsight, it makes no difference. It's still just a point. Um, I just think we let them create too many. Yeah. And that, that, yeah that was the thing. In, instead of the clock ticking and thinking, oh, if we don't get a second, time yeah. is not on our side. It was a case that they were at least creating stuff and, and looking dangerous and... And in the Premier League, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but you can only give teams so many chances before they yeah. They I didn't stumble think in open one. play they looked that threatening. I was just worried every time yeah. they got a free kick or a corner. We did give some silly ones away yeah, there, didn't we? Sassanon was brilliant. It was, I, don't know, I, I thought I thought they played all right with one, but I didn't. I, at no point did I think they're going to play a couple of one twos and they're going to be in at the keeper. Yeah. It was just when they ever they put a ball in the box, that was when they looked dangerous. And that's, that's what happens. That's, that's yeah. That's yeah. Called, yeah. Rondon, I thought I was really impressed by Rondon. He just his work rate was mm. he just because he, he he's a lump, he's a fat bastard basically, but he just worked so hard. It was it was good to see because and they, he worked hard in our in our area. I mean, yeah, put a lot of pressure on our back four. I yeah. mean, we seem to want to play out at some some crazy times in the first half. Absolutely, but, um, you know, Luis kept doing his little dink chip over yeah. you know their attackers to Walker and. I'm all for that though. I was going to say we've done that all season. We've done it so well, planned out from the back. And there was a for the first time a, a nervousness in the crowd at one 0 We knew we had to win. We knew a draw weren't going to be enough. That when we were playing the way we've been playing all season, there was that you got the feeling that everyone just wanted our centre offs to put it's their foot through the ball. But the, that's the way we've been playing all season. So you, I don't think that we can really question why we've done that. It's, it's a shame because on a different day. The whole narrative, sorry to like, use that, but that would be our oh, team that's pressing for the title, needs a bit of luck, they don't play their best but manage to scramble a, a win with an yeah. own goal yeah, yeah. and then see Which it out. And that, and that, would, done, have right? been, yeah. that would have been the story on another day for another team, maybe. Uh, I, I genuinely think that's it, our chance is gone. You know, yeah, they, they, they took those two extra points this weekend, that's just enough for them. Um, they'll get over the line with one more win. There were people who said that we'd only get a draw at Chelsea and win there and we could still win it. Does anyone still believe? If you reverse that, you know, we we draw and then we win at Chelsea. The fighter in me thinks there's still a chance, but the the fighter is not... We're not in control of that. The fighter is we we can win all three games and we can still be proud, you know, and that's what is more important now than anything else. if, If it was Chelsea up top, 
we would be going, you know what, it's Chelsea with yeah. their billions. It's because it's Leicester and because they, 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 we don't think they've been, they're not, they're, we don't think they're very good, but actually they've only lost three games this season, yeah, so they're, they're not going it, to... It's, it's frustrating that people are going... For example, the StubHub thing, I've been tweeting about it because I really want a ticket for the last game of the season, but they're going on and they're, they're every single ticket now because we, we're not going to win the league at White Hart Lane they're now going on £30 face value £125 plus £25 um, StubHub thing so it's it's £150 a ticket that's right. pathetic like support your team that's what we're here for That that's the bit that's annoying me is people are going I didn't know that I've not followed I, well, yeah because you've got your ticket right? yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just I, like I would, I'm desperate for a ticket but I'm not paying £125 especially when someone has paid maximum £60 for that ticket um, there's a lot in the north going. There's, there were two in the south, but I'm not paying three hundred pounds for two. T- you can only only buy them. Yeah, yeah. And my point is, as you see on social media, people immediately reacting. Our, our, our hey, we've bottled it. Our chances have gone. Like, all this stuff. We're second in the league, and all these things that we've seen this season, like the the, the if we had a draw against Man United and smashed in West Brom, that would be seen as a better result. But it, mm. it, it's the same points, and we've smashed Man United. I'm just I'm a bit frustrated at the at the idea, not not what you said that a chance. Gone. Forget our chances of what we've achieved because you can't control what Leicester have achieved. Yeah. And I think as well, like it's really important for us now to make sure that we do end up finishing second. Like the last thing we now want is to, to drop a few points and end up finishing third or fourth, which to the start of the season still would have been brilliant. But we've got to ensure that we do come second. We finish above Arsenal. We finish above City. We finish the season well because the last thing you want is to end up finishing yeah, the man. season with. A couple of defeats and a couple Tiny of draws, enough. exactly. Yeah, and the yeah. next season, it's always the way with teams. The teams that end poorly always start the next campaign poorly yeah. as well. We're guaranteed at least fifth, aren't we? Now, yeah, points wise. I think we're. Are we not guaranteed top four now? No, no, no we're, no, not, yeah. we're no. not. We're not. But I think we only need, we only really need four points to finish second. second yeah. Really, didn't we? So win, we're going to do a it. Loss, we're we'll, going to do it. Yeah, yeah. We'd have to collapse. I think to we not go get to that. Chelsea with a different mentality, though. Had we won Absolutely. that game, you know, Leicester still clear favourites. But we go to Chelsea with a different mentality, with a better team in form than them, and I'd expect to win. I mean, I've not said that about going to Chelsea for donkey's years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's more relaxed, right? And they like there's nothing more that they would want than for us to yeah. lose the title at Stamford Bridge. In, in some ways, the nice thing about it is that the whole thing about Chelsea playing us and them, and that they want us us to lose and Leicester to win, is. Is taken out of the equation now because there are already a lot of Spurs fans moaning about conspiracies and what Chelsea might do on the last game of the season if it came down to that, and that that just bores the hell out of me yeah. right right from the start. I don't yeah. want that. If if that had come to the last game of the season and we'd lost it, I didn't want it to be remembered for for that, Absolutely. which was what was going to happen. I'm sure there's only a, min- a minority that would think that. I mean, win or lose, it's, win it's, or lose, you do it. For your performance over 38 games of the season. Oh, absolutely and, right. And Leicester will have done it for their performances over but, 38. But it's great copy for the newspapers yeah. to, yeah. to yeah. go on about bleating Spurs fans already complaining in advance of a game, you know, four games in the future, that Chelsea were going to do this. Yeah. And, and so the on trouble it. is, it's, the players haven't helped by commenting on it. If, no. If they just made a no comment, it wouldn't be an issue. But because they've commented on it, then they go back to our people... Or they they search for it on Twitter yeah. to look for what the responses are and yeah I mean if if they, if, if they did do it it will be um, appalling I mean I, I look back to a season in uh, in the English Premier League where Blackburn needed to beat Liverpool in the last day of the season 
to win the title and stop Man United winning it. Liverpool and Man United, massive, massive rivals. There's no way Liverpool fans wanted Man U to win uh, the title that right. year, but actually Liverpool won the game. And yeah. Blackburn still won the league because Man United dropped points at West Ham. Yeah. But the integrity of the league is, is so strong. Like West Brom came with nothing to play for, mm, yeah. didn't fold. Unfortunately, they folded last week at Beers yeah, yeah. you know, against Woolwich. Swansea folded on Sunday. But, you know, it's a it good strong league. My, my concern is about the, fo- the football nowadays compared to that mid-90s is there are far, far less English players. So maybe there's less of that ethic of, no, you play to win because... But at, the same time, your team, but at the same time, there's less of an association between the players and yes, the club, that, yeah. so they don't buy into the whole yeah, rivalry yeah, right. quite so much. It's all well and good, the fans saying what they want and what they're doing. Players, OK, they can play with less intensity, but they're not actually going to go out to roll over. No. Yeah. So I was never really you know, worried about that. If it came down to the last day shootout, then what will be, will be. Yeah. Talking about the passion, uh, Deli Ali... Um, I'm aiming this one at Ray Mysterio in the corner. Um, we're going to get you a mask, I think. Um, the should we do we lose anything from Deli Ali by trying to get him to calm that temper down and speak into the mic? Like, do you think we should tend to calm down? Like, the, the the example is Rooney. Rooney used to have that that red mist where if you tackled him, you could see him just pegging it about trying to break someone. And people are now targeting Deli Ali. And he's going to get punished. He might miss the rest of our season. Do we tell him to calm down, or is that do we sacrifice missing for three games because we've got him brilliant for twenty-five? Uh, no, we don't tell him to calm down. Um, passion. It's you know he's. I, I I have personally have no issue with it. Mm. It's passion. Obviously, it, in hindsight, the uh, incident with Claudio Jakub was a bit. It's silly. Yeah. It's silly, and to be fair, he deserves to be punished. But. No, we don't tell him to calm down. As you said, 25 games. Wait there, yeah. wait there. Wait, how, so how would you manage him? I think he's fine. I think you think just leave him? Yeah, yeah, leave him as he is. All right, then we had the hand up in the corner. I only wrote one note in advance of, of this Brilliant. today, and, and that was that Deli Ali's been a bit of a prick for the last <laughs> six weeks. And if the management haven't told him that he needs to calm down a bit, then he's been ignoring what they've said. Because I don't personally see he needs that element in his game He's not like a combative midfielder who's you know all about tackling. That if you took that edge away, wouldn't his competition to, yeah. to beat the man should be strong. But there's no need to get involved. That's the third time he's he's done something. Fiorentina away, yeah. didn't he kick out of someone? Yeah. There was one the following week straight away as well. Um, it's so futile. Do you know what? I knew it was coming. Whether it was this week or not, I think I tweeted it actually the game before. That oh, I just think he's going to do something stupid today and get a red card. It was going to happen for England in the Euros, and and mm-hmm. okay, if this stops him, so be it. But it's bloody idiotic, if you yeah. ask me. Now there was lots going on with Jakub during the course of the game. He threw himself around. He, he you know, but Deli Ali wants to be the, the superstar that we believe he can be. He's got to learn to deal with it. Yeah, exactly. And I thought it was bloody childish and pretty stupid, frankly. I, I took a crowning glory of, of his you know week. Should have been a match-winning performance when he gets named as PFA Young Player of the Year, gets in yeah. the PFA Team of the Year at the expense. You know, um, quite often you can win that award and not make the team. Yeah, I thought he's been utterly fantastic, but not so not much then. in recent games. And there's been that edge, and he just like a fire firework. He's just gone off. I, I, I think I've, I'm agreeing with you there. I, I mean, my feeling with that is that he is a 20-year-old kid. This is the, his first full season in the Premier League. 
if his action points, you know, his learnings over the summer, well, he's, well, he's at the Euro, so he's going to be learning plenty, but if with a bit of introspection he's, he's looking at how he can improve, then it is tempering that. Yeah. It's not necessarily his passion, it's, but it's the way he reacts that's to those it, things. That's the key. Because he's no, he's no use to anyone if he's no. not on the pitch yeah. playing football. And, and, and I think you, you're absolutely right there. He's not a combative player. That's not the part of his game that strikes fear in, in opponents. It's knowing that with a ball at his feet or, or even not at his feet and his movement is mm. things that's going to open stuff up. And, and he can have that will to win, that competitiveness, and he can have it in his mind that he wants to take someone out, take someone out, but do it by making them look, look stupid. Yeah, that's, you know, that, yeah. that's what he needs to do. He's so much better than Claudio Jakob. He could have done that. Yeah. And, and my worry with him is, he's our only midfielder. I don't know who I'd replace him with. If he was out, it changes the way... He missed West Ham, didn't he? Yeah. That was our worst performance of the season, by all accounts. Yeah. All the others have got someone that we can tweak or move yeah. around. Yeah, it, there's a like It changes like. too much mm. for him to be the one that's out, I think. I mean, just off the top of my head, is the, the options are Chadley, if you're going wide, or Mason, which is what... I think you just bring Ericsson inside. Yeah, Ericsson's probably yeah, bring him into the centre and then bring. It changes so, a lot, though. Chadley. Yeah. No, no, it does. It, it does change. Because it, Chadley and Son have done nothing of late. I mean, when Mason came on, I was so. They haven't had much of a chance, to be fair to him. I know, but they're not pushing. You know, they're not no, taking know, the opportunity know, when they get to come on. Yeah, I know. Um, uh, so, how would you manage him then? So, what would you say? If, say he doesn't get the ban, three games left. Come forward. He will get three match ban. He will get three match ban. But fine. <laughs> assuming we had ten games more. And he, what would you say to him? Say, look, you've got seven matches remaining this season. What would you say to him? Um, well, good point, firstly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it was so forcefully put. <laughs> <laughs> I was polite. I'm a bad one. Oh, man. <laughs> it's tired. <laughs> um, I guess I would, in hindsight, probably tell him to rein it in slightly. But it's, it's that, as, as you guys were saying, it's about that passion, but the way he exhibits it could be more with like his footwork rather than with his fists or pushing people or kicking out. Or, you know, so, I mean, it's good to... He cares. It, yeah. sh- it shows that he cares, but the way he shows that he cares could ne- should be done on the pitch with the ball rather than yeah, yeah, absolutely. with his fists. So, yeah, probably calm down a little... But I like that about him. I like yeah, the fact yeah. he has that in his locker to the extent where it shows that he's passionate. There's a few guys who are just like, you know, would just roll over and not really... Yeah, yeah. Because that passion's a difficult... It's not something you can you can actually learn. You, you know, you've got to have it. So having it is a great start. And then knowing how to use it is and, the experience yeah. and the key... If, you, if you're going to do that, don't hit him off the ball where, you know, you've just won an award. Like Deli Ali Cam is on, like everyone's watching him. Just kick him and get a yellow. Like, you know, yeah, just, yeah. just well, do it within the game, within yeah. the context be of the Be punished and move what on. What I was going to say is that I just think he needs to just get a bit clever about what he can and can't get away with. Like, yeah. you watch Rooney and you, you watch a lot of players that play on the edge. Like Suarez is the king. A lot of players like that, that they know what they can and what they can't get away with. Yeah. And they never put themselves in a position. Suarez aside, where they can really get retrospective bans after games because what they've done 
is probably not that bad. Whereas what Ali's done this week, there's no way that you can't get banned for this. He's just punched him in the stomach. He's just got to learn what he can and can't do. And I think throughout the season, he's actually got that pretty right. He's wound opponents up by being in their ear and doing flamboyant bits of skill when really he could just give it. And that's 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 when he's at his best. Exactly. A free kick's given and he's right there and he's in someone's face and he's chest to chest with them. You can do that. That's enough. That's that's not overstepping the the, the boundaries. But what he did was... He was an idiot, basically. And if if an opposing manager just has to instruct his a couple of his players to wind up Deli Alli and all of a sudden Tottenham are ineffective, then... What's the point of having him on the park in because the first place? Because he's shown such maturity in other aspects yeah, of his yeah, game yeah. this season. Yeah. Right, we've had a lot to get through. We've got a lot to get through. So um, one thing I wanted to ask you was there, there was a vote for goal of the season and someone was saying, you know, go on this website and for all the Premier League and vote. Deli Ali is in second and Jamie Vardy is in first. You need to vote. And I, I don't care for online Twitter polls because, I mean, who really gives one, you know. But I don't think Deli Ali's goal is our goal of the season. Because there's, go on. I was going to say there's a, there's three standout goals. There's go Ali on. against Palace. There's Mason against Sunderland, and then there's Kane, Kane against, against Arsenal. Arsenal. They're Correct. the three, but Correct. that Ali one special. I, I personally really like the Mason one because it's yes. a team goal. But that Ali one, like you just you'd never see anything like that. Like next season, you won't see a goal as skillful as that. Whereas you might see one quite similar to Mason's, or you might see one where Kane. One in, so that's uh, that's your goal of the season. That's the so far, one, okay. Yeah. Ray, Kane, Kane. Why? Um, just it's just so unexpected. Um, and the context of the game, um, the context of the game, the way you know Arsenal were just down to ten. Um, we were chasing. You know, it's just a great moment and a great. It was a great game, and it's topped off with a fantastic goal. So is the context of the for example, my two favourite goals of all time are Zidane in the Champions League final, mm-hmm. obviously, and Van Basten's volley. Context of the game, the skill. Is the context of the game as important as the individual skill and the teamwork? Or which is your favourite goal? My favourite goal is Kane's. Yeah. Both your... of your goals, I agree totally. One was the Champions League final, one was the European Championships final. Yeah. So context again. They also went in the top corner. Yeah. And to me, aesthetically, yeah. that makes a difference. Yeah. There's, there's only risk. one goal of yeah. any credibility, in my opinion, that went in the bottom corner, and that was Carlos Alberto, 1970 World Cup. You're going to fourth goal. You're going to describe it. He rifles it into the bottom corner okay. after a, a team move that is beyond, you know, the comprehension yeah. of, of almost all football footballers. Sure, sure. But that alone, you know, is the yeah, only yeah. goal that didn't go in the top corner. So of that the, I would rate of those three, which are your favourite then out of the three that we've discussed here? <clears throat> the Tottenham ones. The Tottenham ones, yeah. Harry Kane's. Harry Kane's. Gareth. For context and for finish. And uh, for feeling, I mean, yeah. I'm sure you were the same as me. I've gone a bit left field with these because I reckon bring in another one. If I you reckon want. at least two of the goals that they scored against Stoke were like brilliant. Because Very true. There was just. That, that's the most I've enjoyed Tottenham yeah. for a long, a long time. You know, and I'm talking years. Just it was a team just completely running riot at the yeah. height of their powers, and I've never liked it before. And they've shown ones that Arsenal have scored where they flicked it around. Will but now gone. all of a sudden I've, <laughs> I appreciate it <laughs> yeah. a bit more because we had a team and we had players that were capable of doing it, and and just seeing three players ahead of their back line and any one of them being yeah. able to slot After it in it's just yeah. total dominance yeah. and that was fantastic and in, in individual moments love the Kane one of course yeah. for 
for skill out of the top draw when you weren't really expecting it, the Deli Alley one was fantastic. And I think that was sort of his defining moment of, of the season. That's yeah. where everybody sat up and took notice. But I, th- I think a couple of those against uh, Stoke and also Ericsson's against Man City as well. Oh, because yeah, yeah. That, that, that was the most emotional I've been about a goal for a long, long time. Amazing. Maybe because it was Valentine's Day. It was. That's it was his birthday as well, wasn't it? Day before my birthday. Yeah. Mensch oh, yeah. as well, though, because I, I, the Mason one I'd forgotten. I did, really didn't I, think I, it was I love as, right. goal. But Kyle Walker against West Ham. Yeah. But the context being he degraded his own goal mm. by giving them you <laughs> oh, know, yeah, the, the yeah. consolation <laughs> at the true. other end. He's the, he is he's the most neutral player because for every brilliant yeah. thing he does, he always <laughs> cocks something up. So he's neutral in, in terms of balance and averages. But he's, so in ice hockey, you wouldn't have a plus minus. It just no, no, it'd just be blank. Zero. That's what you bring to the table, American <laughs> sports. Um, I love Mason's goal. I also love Dembele's against um, Anderlecht. I mean, the, it was the, a rocket. Not, it was it a was top corner, though. Right foot. Anyway, um, Jack's got a feature, but before the feature, we've got the World Cup. Oh, we have, haven't we? Uh, so, Gareth, I'm not sure if you've been listening, probably not. Uh, we've done a World Cup, so we've done group stages of players. Who's the most important player to Tottenham? We're in the semis right now, so it's come to Kane versus Deli Ali. Uh, oh, right. And let you think about it because I've got something from the best response from the listeners and Toby versus Hugo. Okay, so you have to vote on who you would keep if you have to get rid of one. Who is the yeah. most important player to Tottenham? Here's the argument from Oscar Gein Kane versus Ali. The two are so effective as a unit that analysing them separately is almost impossible, let alone comparing them. Kane has shown this season that he can score goals no one else thought he was capable of scoring as you said on the podcast last week he is the perfect striker for our system and we wouldn't change him for anyone in the world Jack's nodding so that was his point both he and Deli Ali have ridiculous work ethic and a ferocious appetite for the game that has come to define the core of our team under Poch. I think Ali is a more versatile player. He has so many strengths that he could fit into a variety of roles for us, which is your point about replacing him. And I think that this makes him a more valuable player in general because he could start into any top team in Europe. However, the criteria is who is more valuable to Spurs. And he thinks by that standard, Harry Kane wins because he's just tailor-made for the club. For this reason, due to a lack of good strikers generally, I think we've had a harder time replacing him than Deli Ali. So it's Kane by a whisker. So, does anyone want to make the argument for Deli Ali? <laughs> Silence is it I will make the argument for Deli Ali. So, Kane, Kane, when he doesn't, there's almost, when he doesn't score, like he didn't actually do much against West Brom, I would argue. He did a lot of movement, but he drops very deep to get the ball. And I'm playing devil's advocate here. I, know, I can yeah, see I'm the not, look I'm you're not, giving me. I'm not criticising you. Deli Ali can fit so in so many different roles. He's not limited by the position that he's in. And you don't depend on him so much that it, it can be damaging to what he's doing on the pitch right now. Because if Kane goes, we, we're screwed. So he has to protect himself. Whereas Deli Ali's got that ferocity and he's younger than Kane. So we'll have him for a longer time. Has that changed your opinion on Kane? Kane versus Ali, Jack. Kane. 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 I mean, that's it anyway, but... Gareth, I didn't think I'd I'd say it, but the guys put a pretty coherent argument <laughs> for that, and it does make a lot of sense. Kane's also got a, another whole season of collateral in the bank, which I never thought you know, three Me seasons neither. ago we'd be talking about Harry Kane like this. Mm-hmm. Frankly, Deli Ali was possibly already earmarked as being a bit of a superstar, and that's why people scouted him. But I don't know who saw any of this in Harry Kane. No. And here, and here we are talking mm. about him being completely invaluable to to Tottenham Hotspur, and 
And I think the key point about him being more difficult to replace, there's a lot less players of his ilk around mm. that could, could do the job and then score another 20 goals next season. So, yeah, I think it is Kane by... By a, a small By margin. Just one small. You think of the pressure Kane's been under. It's unbelievable. It's only him. Yeah. And, and his physicality that he's been able to play every game. Okay, I appreciate he's not got injured, but we, we've not suffered the injuries other teams have because of our supreme yeah. fitness and the work ethic of those players. And he had a three-month goal drought yeah. to start mm. the season. Yeah. He's, he's an incredible man, really, and he's three goals away from scoring thirty for two seasons in a row, which is mind-blowing, really. Well, we also, didn't we? If he scores fifteen league goals this season, then that would be a pretty yeah, we'd good, that'd be a pretty good uh, yeah. return. So to have the amount he's got is. Yeah, fine. Remarkable. I think this is a far more difficult semi-final now. Toby versus Hugo. So let me read it out. I genuinely think this is this is going to be paper thin. I don't know what I'm going to say. It's penalties already. Another contest between two players with a very close working relationship, which is a good point. Which is a good point. Hugo is our leader, and to my mind, the best goalkeeper in the league slash world. The man who reported berated teammates at Lyon for being scheduleless and not respecting the shirt. He's stuck with us maybe reluctantly through some of the worst times and he's paying off. Toby, on the other hand, has come to the team and just been earth-steadying, I love that phrase, earth-steadying lack of impact, which is exactly what you want from a centre-back. He's shown that he can be both a leader and committed disciple in the centre-back pairing and he's the future of the club. Mainly on age, Oscar would take Toby, based on the assumption that if Hugo leaves, we can pick up Butland and make a tidy profit in the process. I can't think of anyone to fill Toby's boots in the same way. It's an extremely difficult choice, though. Who am I looking at? Jack, I'm not looking at you. Stato, so if you had to choose between keeping one, the most important player to Tottenham, who would it be? Toby. Toby. Toby has made the difference to our team. I appreciate Hugo is, uh, and again, I thought it was very harsh on him, to not make the PFA Team of the Year. I think he's had more to do to get us to second than De Gea has done to keep United fifth, Absolutely, personally. Um, but Toby Alderweireld has changed. We've gone from conceding as many goals last year as Sunderland and only I think and two Burnley. less than... Or Burnley, the same as Burnley then. And we have a solidified structure now. He is the foundations, he is everything. He even goes forward and scores... He shows passion. He can pass passion. For the club. Yeah. He's he has a winner. got everything. He has got everything, and I can't believe we've got him. No. And we have to keep him. We have to keep him for a very long time. Yeah, basically. It's, <laughs> it's the, the influence that he's got over other people as well. Hugo has stayed because he's got Toby in front of him. Jan has stayed because he plays with um, Toby in the national team in the Ajax and at Tottenham now. It's hard, but Hugo is world class. Butland's great, but has. Hugo saved us more points than Toby? Maybe. Abbas, I'm just dropping stuff in your mind. Come come close to the mind. As good as Hugo's been, he's made a few mistakes. Oh, name them. Um, Arsenal, Arsenal away. Could have done better for Gibbs' goal. Mm, yeah. Um, Sanchez's goal as well at home. And West Brom um, the other night, I felt like he came, he just sort of flapped. Wasn't commanding, didn't didn't try and own the ball. Um, this, so I'm genuinely feeling like you're stabbing me. Like I'm, I'm genuinely <laughs> feeling like I'm, it's actually hurting this. Um, so yeah, as, as good as it's been, as good as it's been, he's saved us many points. But unfortunately, as a goalkeeper, when you make a mistake, it's it usually ends up in a goal. And Toby, I can't recall him making any such mistakes. 
by count of Hugo. Okay, Jack. So wait, we've got Toby, Toby, Jack. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Toby as well, just purely because he's he's the best centre half I've seen, including Ledley in that. He's the best centre back that I've seen since yeah. I've been going. Um, the difference he's made is just like Stato was saying. You can't you can't even explain how in the space of a few months we go from having a, an awful defence to the best in the league. Like it's pretty incredible. Um, Hugo. He's world class. He's our captain. He's our leader. You, you wouldn't want to lose either of them, but we've got to pick. So I've got to go with Toby just because of the sheer impact that he's made. Uh, I mean, this one is it's hard, is a, isn't it? Is a tough one because we talk about how easy it is to replace these players as well. Uh, I, I think there's quite a few decent goalkeepers around. I mean, you've already mentioned Butland. I think you can make that replacement. The, th- the thing about defenders versus goalkeepers, goalkeepers are always isolated, aren't they? they? They're always judged as an individual in a team. When defenders, I'm, I'm of the opinion that if you've got a professional quality defender and you put them in front of the right manager with the right idea about how they should defend, then almost all of them are going to be capable of stopping the opposition from scoring goals. You know, that's... That's what they're there to do. They're not all going to be Bobby Moore and play the ball out, and they're not all going to weigh in with loads of goals. But you'd think that they, the, the basic common requirement of them is to stop goals being scored, and I think a lot of Premier League defenders can do that under the right system. I'm not trying to detract from what no, no. Toby Alderweireld has achieved. This season, because he's absolutely right, you know, he's coming to a setup that wasn't particularly set up to 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 not conceding, and he's turned it around. And for the first time in my lifetime, Spurs have conceded the fewest goals in in the top flight. I mean, it's crazy. But I think at this moment, for what he's already achieved with us, for the commitment he's shown, and for the fact that when he's not in the starting lineup, I think it has. A more of an adverse effect on on the rest of the team because we haven't yeah. got as adequate replacement in the squad. I'm going to say, and not just to be contrary, but I'm going to say Hugo. Hugo. Just Hugo is sat behind Dawson Kirikes. If, I, if I'm going to fancy her, if I remind you, and he's he stayed with us and he stayed world class. He's the captain of France. He's he's now the captain of Spurs. He's he's kept us in many many things and. Toby stops things before they happen, but Hugo saves us in an emergency. And I purely thought it's, it's, it's a cigarette paper between them right now. And if you were talking to me based on this season, it would, ha- it would be Toby. But for the commitment that he's shown, and for the fact he, he's, he's, I just, he's the top, he feels like a Tottenham player. You know, he, Toby, and I'm not saying Toby's not a Tottenham player, but that he's got as much flair as any goalkeeper I've ever seen. Mm. Um, and I've never seen a stand love a player like people love Hugo. So I'm going to vote for Hugo. I don't know what would, same as you, I don't know what would be the case if we went first and who I'd vote for, but because I know Toby's going through, I can safely vote for Hugo. But t- Toby, it's not to take away from Toby because I've never felt safer 
in front of like I, you just go you just smile you know it's like it's like your kids walked in with a with a, a 10 out of 10 of a test you're just proud that he's representing you it's 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 an amazing I've no idea why Atletico Madrid sold him and I can't wait to see what he's going to do in the Champions League next year because I was thinking when I was at the game you know 1-1 against Stoke there's going to be worse teams better worse teams than them there's going to be better teams who are more defensive you know Atletico Madrid should be very difficult to break down and we have to be better at breaking teams down and to be fair we did in the first 20 minutes but I can't wait to see how our team can do against the 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 Champions League quality players like when we're playing like we did against Man United in the second half or when we're playing like we did against Stoke free-flowing you know like we did against in the second half against Inter when we lose that sense of inhibition just like the game last night the Real Madrid-Man City game was everyone just very inhibited because they didn't want to lose when we let go which is the Tottenham way I feel I, I think we're fantastic and bottom line is my vote's for Hugo um because so there's no right or wrong answer with that one anyway, really, no. is it? Really, the only chink I even remotely had in Hugo's case is his distribution. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> it's yeah, no, that's the only thing yeah. that I would ever consider being yeah, yeah. critical. It's amazing. He's like his Achilles oh. heel. He's perfect in every way apart from he can't kick a ball really, mm. really, really well. Um, if you could make a baby out of Toby and Hugo... Um, just, you've not been here in the homoerotic days, so don't give me that face. <laughs> we used to go all sorts of places. Um, we're right, boy George, about it all. Um, but Toby's distribution with Hugo's, everything else would be would be probably my player, my player now. It was great to see um, Sandro. He didn't do anything no. at all, did he? <laughs> Honestly, I can't believe he didn't come on and just haul someone down in the penalty area. How good would that have been? And, and then it's not like he's done an, an own goal where it's so obvious. Yeah, yeah. At least there's still a sporting chance. So we might not take the opportunity. Yeah. But come on, Sandro. Yeah. Come on. I thought you Sandra. loved us. I, can I just say, and if you want to finish bookend that discussion, I did vote for Toby as my Tottenham Player of the Year though on the. Yeah, I'll be doing the same. Thfc.com website. Mm. Yeah. Uh, we have Jack's feature. So, um, Gareth, uh, Jack, do you want to explain your your feature for those? Yeah, but there was, there's been no like intro music or anything that's there for this. You'll put a sting in the edit, won't you? I usually do it live, but I'm oh. feeling self-conscious now. Oh. Um, but what I like to do is interrupt Jack with it. <laughs> Which is really irritating. Um, so basically, I've got a career path, career highlights of a player. I'll read through it, and after each clue, you get an opportunity to guess. Oh. It's usually Stato at first, but I'm going to be interested to see where it goes. So <laughs> It's usually Stato after So what we're going to do is birth. hands up. <laughs> yeah, hands up. Hands up and put it on your phone. Put it on your Don't phone, or just, just, and then we'll see where we get to at the end, because you will get it before us. Right, so this player, don't Google it. No, no. Was born May the 18th, 1971, which makes him 44. Teddy Sheringham. No. Just He's wait, just wait. Don't, um, may remember, put it on your phone. Oh, don't ruin it, it for I, everyone. I thought you know? I'm one of the idiots. I didn't <laughs> have to do that. So he had, he had an amazing um, club career. So he made 544 club appearances in total, scoring one goal. He's... Right down, right down. <laughs> I think you got it. <laughs> Come on, dead air, Come dead on. air. No, no, it's not that one. It's not that. That's not rubbish that. podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> um, he signed in 2011 after spells with three other Premier League teams. Got it. <laughs> yeah. You, well, you Stato's got, got it. Stato's got it. Uh, he made his debut uh, against Man United at Old Trafford. Um, in the four years that he spent with Spurs, he made 50 appearances, scoring no goals. 
He's the oldest player to play in the Premier League. Retired in 2015. Yeah, I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. And is yeah. currently and is currently a Spurs ambassador. Yeah, yeah. And it was, of course, yes. Yes. Brad Friedel. Brad Friedel. Excellent from Stato. What was that? Blue, well. blue free. Genuinely lovely guy. Yeah, I bet. I bet he seems really nice. He got quite a. He made, he's got a voice that makes me feel. It, it, Unmanly, emasculated, <laughs> inadequate. Like my, I feel yeah, yeah. Like, much like my grandma. Well, I, I, I refereed a game that he was managing one team and Dawson was managing the other, and I was just fawning over the both of them. So if I'd have been like properly being assessed at this game, I don't think it would have gone well. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I'd just like to say that Abbas's guest was Stefan Freund. <laughs> oh, good God, one goal. <laughs> one. You've clearly overestimated. <laughs> um, it's quiz time. Uh, there's 25 questions here so we have a go quickly or we stop it early so which former Tottenham Hotspur player and manager said Michael Owen is a goal scorer not a natural born one yet that takes Red time Hoddle Hoddle any particular yellow. category start, yellow. start with the yellow alright at which ground did Tottenham defeat Watford in the FA Cup semi-final in the 86-87 season Villa Park and, do you remember the score as well 4-0 yeah, I think that was right. <laughs> they had a replacement oh, no. goalkeeper. Actually, it says 4 1. Oh, Malcolm Allen scored for them. Sorry, you're probably right. <laughs> Do we need to be here? Cause <laughs> Loving. Get a candle. In what year did Pat Jennings last represent Northern Ireland at the World Cup finals? 86. Yes. Can, can you get where it was held? Mexico. Mexico. Against Brazil. Josimar scored a 30 yarder top corner. In Guadalajara. It doesn't, 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 doesn't quite go into that detail on yeah. the card, but. Team knowledge. <laughs> yeah, team knowledge. This is the pub. I genuinely think we'd have the best podcast pub quiz team. You I think, two would. I, th- I, think, <laughs> I think other podcasts uh, don't have the same, put the level of importance on it. No, Although no. I was challenged to a quiz by someone who I, I thought they were joking, but apparently they weren't. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, do they still exist? It's the pink wig wearing marathon runner. <laughs> wow, well, you can't put down a marathon runner. A fair runner. play to him for the marathon. Yeah, yeah, congratulations. Well, if we can find a uh, place to do a pub quiz, right here. somebody wants to takes right. on then I'll sign up for that straight off love a quiz you do like, yeah. what nationality is Dalmat Stefan Dalmat Swiss French French, oh. <laughs> French. Oh, overthought that <laughs> <laughs> which Tottenham player left the club as part of the Pedro Mendes deal what where, did he, go, where did he go did he go Portsmouth no where did he go he went to Portsmouth didn't he I say Defoe. Well, I'm assuming. Or is it when we bought him something? Yeah, left? when we bought That's him. When sorry. we bought him something yeah. left. Where do we get? Go on. Pastiga? Yes. Whoa. 619. Uh, how many goals did Steve Perryman score in his career at Tottenham? 14, 23, 39, or 47? 39. 47. 39, bang on. <laughs> I did do that feature at Christmas. Did you? So I remember from then. Yeah. How many England caps did Gary Lineker win? 50, 80, 90 or 100? 90. Yeah, 80. 80. 80 is the answer. What I guess. <laughs> Who said, Tottenham have impressed me. They haven't thrown in the towel even though they've been under the gun. <laughs> um, I don't know. Ron Sir, Atkinson. Sir Alex Atkinson. Bobby Robson. Bobby oh. Robson. Yeah, that's a Robson thing, isn't it? Hmm. How many managers did Graham Roberts play under at Spurs? Four. Three. Can you name them? Birkinshaw, Shreve and Pleat. Yep. 
<laughs> Up until the end of the 2005-2006 season, who was the last player to join Chelsea from Tottenham? Chelsea. You got a clue? Is it a goalkeeper? Yes. Uh, it's what's his face? Sullivan. Sullivan. Yeah. yeah. Good knowledge. I get half a point. <laughs> from which club did Tottenham Hotspur sign Darren Anderton? Portsmouth. Palmpy, 1.7 million. There you go. <laughs> Came with a hernia. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know at the time. <laughs> Against which club did Michael Brown score his first Premiership goal? Sunderland. Incorrect. Southampton. Fulham. Man City. Blackburn. Right, we've got 92 <laughs> guesses here. <laughs> Whoa, no, 46. Was Premier League. <laughs> uh, it's... Leicester City, actually. Oh, the 4-4. Four, four. It was. Oh, yeah. The match ended 4-4. Four, four, great game, great game. <laughs> <laughs> it was a car crash. It wasn't a great game. It was bloody awful. <laughs> wasn't that the week we'd also, or a fortnight after we 3 0 up to Man City and lost 4-3 in the cup? Did Gary they were so well close together. Yeah. yeah. One was like a car crash and the other one was like being mugged. Yeah, I remember that. I, that it was a great game. Happy days. Was that 4-3? Yeah, was that Mackie? That... Yeah, Mackham. Oh, they Mackham. only had 10 men as well, didn't they? Yeah. Time. Um, who was the first club to defeat Spurs in the Premiership in the 05-06 season? It's very Usually specific. Season, very specific. Bolton. Borough. Fulham. United. Chelsea. Chelsea. Oh, brilliant. Oh, could have been any season. Yeah. <laughs> Against which club, beginning with the letter W? Wolves. <laughs> Warwick. <Didn't> Watford. <laughs> Warwick? No. <laughs> Did Noe Pamro make his Spurs debut? Wigan. Yeah, Wigan Athletic. West Brom. Oh, I can't believe it. Which club did David Pleat lead to a seventh place finish in the Premiership in 96-97? Which club? Yeah. Derby. No. Sheffield Wednesday? Yes. How many red cards did Stefan Freund receive in his Premiership career? Three. Four. None. None. I was yeah. Say, yeah. Didn't even get sent off when Duncan Ferguson tried to no. remove his throat. Such a nice man. <laughs> Only three substitutes may take the field in a match. But what is the number of sub- maximum number of substitutes that can be named on the bench? Five. At the moment, it's seven. 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 Yeah. I mean, bearing in mind the age what? of this They're question. T- Tottenham's instigation. It's still we were the ones who upped it. Still seven. Yeah. Oh. Um, what is awarded to the opposing team if a goalkeeper takes more than six seconds while controlling the ball of his hands before re- releasing it from his possession inside his own penalty area? Indirect free kick. for the ref. Indirect yeah. free kick. Yeah, yeah. Indirect free kick. Which Leeds player was sent off against Spurs at White Hart Lane in the 99-2000 Premier League season? Mark Viduka. Mark Viduka. Oh, come on. That was Harry... Um, sorry, that was Lennon's debut game. What is it? Incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Kuehl. Alan Smith. Oh, oh, I misremembered that one. Is um, he Alan, is that the Alan Smith that went to Man United? Yeah, yeah. But he scored in one of my favourite games ever. Was the Roma seven one? Do you remember it? Yeah. Because mm. if you haven't seen it, go look at the results in the Champions League. United, I think it was a draw away from home. I think, and but the United fans have been beaten quite badly by the police in the ground. Like it's awful. And United. <laughs> Destroyed Roma. Yeah. Like Carrick scored a beautiful Did goal. It for the team. Yeah. Ronaldo, it for the Rooney, and then Smith came back after a horrendous broken leg. I think was that right? Yeah. I think that would have preceded the leg. I think because right. that, that was really? the game oh, that okay. came back. Oh, okay, okay. Basically, I've, I've got that season the, review DVD. The best thing, and I still think this is galling, but also quite funny, was that the United fans were kept in for over an hour and a half yeah. 
So they played them, the Champions League final from 99 on the big screen, and then turned it off with two minutes to go. <laughs> <laughs> so they sat there all that time thinking, at least we're going to watch this. And when they clicked it off, they were 1 0 down. That's amazing. <laughs> That's one of my favourite things. Someone's got there. a sense of humour. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, can you remove the corner, flag, corner flag to take the corner kick? No. No. It's equipment. Correct. Up until the end of the 2005-06 season, Tottenham Hotspur have played 174 matches at home in the FA Cup. How many goals have they conceded in these matches? 150, 160, 170, 180. 150. 160. 180. 170. <laughs> a goal a game. A goal, literally a goal a game. It's not really four. surprising. No. Uh, what was the last trophy that Chris Hewitt won as a player at Tottenham Hotspur? The Peace Cup. <laughs> no. League Cup. No. Cup winners cup. No. You for cup. Eighty four. I was there. You for cup. Just yeah. before my tenth birthday. Oh. Thanks, oh. Dad. <laughs> I wasn't even a twin. On a school night. Thank you. Oh. That's which, nice. Which Scottish team did Spurs meet in the nineteen seventy three seventy four UEFA Cup? Celtic. Aberdeen. Aberdeen. Rangers. <laughs> Warwick. <laughs> this is the strangest guess. W. Just scan your mind for W's. What was significant about Spurs' league cup tie <laughs> against West Ham on the 14th of September 1966? It was played at the M, uh, at Highbury. Not Warwick. Not Warwick this time. It was Spurs' first ever game in the League Cup. Oh. Wow. Well, we didn't join for a number of years. <clears throat> Why not? Several several big clubs didn't. Oh, that's interesting. The first final was Division 3 v Division 2 clubs. That's interesting. Yeah. Good game. Against which club did Teddy Sheringham score a hat-trick in the FA Cup third round replay in 95-96? Wimbledon They are now defunct Oh, Wimbledon Correct, (laughs) they are defunct, but not this club Begins with H It's gone? No? From the county of Herefordshire Hereford (laughs) Hereford (laughs) Ronnie Radford's Hereford Yeah Well, he wasn't in that team. I listened to a pod- rival podcast today. Which one? With, uh, the um, I completely forgot. Design football podcast. Oh right, it's about yeah. football shirts. But they had the ex Hereford kit man on. Ah, that's nice. It was quite. I found, sounds, it, I found it really interesting. That sounds like it's tailor made. Have you written, been on it? He's also written a Woolwich uh, shirt history. Ah, book. wow. Oh, yeah. oh, well. That's a bit bad. Can't yeah, have yeah. I was trying to think of a joke about being like a wine sleeve because it, it's the Woolwich shirt surrounds bottlers, but mm. it doesn't really work, does it? They've been <laughs> awful. It's been it's mad how they've just they've they've gone so under the radar, like nil. Oh, they nil. Have, they're protesting against their uh, most successful ever manager this weekend. It's it's like Wenger out, Wenger in. Like it, 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 he's kept them in the Champions League consistently when they were building a stadium. I'll tell you what's funny is. It, it now seems stadiums are easier to build because that amount of money that you need to build them is easier to come by, especially with the Premier League. So whereas they've made a big deal out of Wenger keeping him in the Champions League, we're going to do it in a couple of years and we, we, we should be break even fairly quickly. It's amazing how few people go to City and Arsenal games when they're not at the top. Like mm. It's mad how poor their support is. Tourists. Tourists, fans. yeah, it's awful. I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm sympathising with them at all because I'm not, but when they plan to do that, to build that ground and say that they stay prudent for a number of years... The landscape was quite different, so it's suddenly changing when Abra- yeah. Abra- of course. Abramovich came in yeah. um, and, and moved the goalposts dramatically, and all of a sudden yeah, yeah. they weren't, you know, the second biggest team in the country, and yeah, yeah. you know, fighting with what they believed they had enough at the time. Yeah, yeah. 
to, to get through. But I would still there, so. highly recommend the Tuesday Club, the latest podcast, where it's just hilarious. It gives up. It literally, that could be the last ever episode. It's, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. It's fantastic. Uh, they still get more downloads than us, but that, that's not. That's by the by. Um, it, that's what you get for having Jonathan Creek on there. You know, nineties drama. <laughs> I like Jonathan Creek. I like Jonathan Creek. It's, it's, it's a bit windmill heavy for me. It's, <laughs> it's a lot of windmill. Prefer a lighthouse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, any more? But no, no. I, was, I was just going to say about next season, really. Just hey, we're we're, we're going to talk about next season on Chelsea at well, all, have we? What is this ticket you've got as well that you've been drawing on? This, t- uh, this was last week. I went to see ELO at the O2. <laughs> <Not brilliant. laughs> <laughs> I don't give you proper Something tickets. Something for the kids. <laughs> print off, so. How uh, were the electric light? Or the they show? were great, yeah. How was the light show? My main bugbear with these things, unlike sporting events, is that they tell you what time they're going to start and then they never yeah, they do, do start at that no. time. They say, I'll oh, go inside, the show's going to start in 15 Bit minutes. Bit like the Man United 45 minutes. <laughs> 45 minutes, you're still sitting there and, and you're looking at your watch thinking, well, I've been here for the time I was supposed to be and now I might have to leave before the end because otherwise I can't get home. It's yeah. a bit frustrating. But anyway, no, I was, I was just going to say that now, Leicester, I think we're all resigned to the fact that Leicester are going to win the league. I mean, mathematically, it's yeah. still possible for Tottenham. But my my point with this is that Leicester now, they could finish 15th, 16th, whatever next year. As long as they stay up, none of them are going to care because they've had this mm. most fantastic time. Three or four of their best players will get picked off anyway. They, they probably will. They'll have all the money in the world that they can but it, replace them. But it, but, won't, but it won't matter what they yeah. do because they've, they've done this. When for Tottenham, on the other hand... If you'd have said at the beginning of the season we finished second, I think all of us would have bitten somebody's arm yeah. off to have that. I'm sure I said sixth. I'll be honest. Yeah. But yeah. But the only where the only place where Spurs can really go is one better next season because otherwise it's in cup. a way it's it's kind of all for nothing. Unless, I mean maybe yeah. a cup. But I'd finish fourth and win the FA Cup. I I mean you probably would fin- want to finish fourth and win the FA Cup, but that's like the bare minimum to go along with the FA Cup. It's a, for a club like Spurs, you know they've got to be competing in Europe and they've got to be winning things. And everybody wants the moon on a stick. Win the FA Cup. I've got to be honest. A trophy is, is is what it's all about for me. I'm I'm older than a lot of you guys, and it might be a generational thing, but I, I do agree with you, ASD. Just have a day at Wembley, or you know, in a foreign national stadium, to to lift the trophy. There's no better feeling. But, but if we were to finish sixth next season and win the FA Cup, I'd love it. Every Everyone will say, regardless of the fact that that cup belongs to us, it's in our trophy cabinet forever. Everyone will say that's a backward step on on what's yeah. Been done but then I, I'm talking very selfishly. You know, my two two some of my two favourite memories are with Spurs are at Wembley losing to Chelsea in the League Cup final last year and losing in the semi final of the FA Cup. You know, five one. But being there, equal amount of fans, the the grand day out. It's 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 just fantastic. And imagine being there, lifting them lift the trophy. That said. I'd love him to be in the in the Champions League, get more money, build a team, and you know start to compete in that. You know, it's it's, it's purely selfish. It's, it's purely purely selfish and creating memories. You know, but you're right. I'd I'd love to see him win the league. <laughs> I'd love to see him come second again next year, and then compete, get to the FA Cup final. You know, the FA Cup this year has been awful. Really, we could beat any of the last four, no problem. Um, or we should have been. Yeah, sorry, I've, I've sort of interrupted. No, no, I mean that was that was kind of the point because I was saying to Stato before we came in mm. as well that on a, on a season where we finish second behind Man City or Chelsea or, or United, you know what that means as a as a benchmark, a yardstick for how 
you are as a squad. But what what the people think that finishing second in a league behind Leicester represents, I think, on, just on the cold harsh, harshness of the league table, we are second. But you know, what what does it mean being second behind them? I think I think we're lucky that we've also got this other ream of pretty dominant statistics in our favour that probably do show that, irrespective of how wonky this season has has been, yeah. There are the fundamentals there for a really great Tottenham football team. Absolutely. That if they can keep the crux of this squad together for another season and bring in some supplementary talent, cover, as we've said it probably multiple times, a genuine option B off the bench to bring on on these matches where where the great stuff isn't coming off the way we want and we just want another little bit of magic to happen, then who, who knows what the future yeah, but you can see where we need to improve out. as well. Yeah, you know those games that we've thrown away. It's still it's not the top teams that we fail to beat that cause us the problems. Yeah, it's the dross. Yeah, Newcastle were doomed to relegation the moment they beat us because we always do terribly against the teams who. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Traditionally, yeah. Potch out anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say um, what a relief it must be for all the families. I was going uh, to bring the, up. the Liverpool fans who it, died at Hillsborough. Yeah. Uh, finally, some some sort of admittance from from the people who were predominantly to blame. It, um, it must have been absolutely horrific, and first of all, the experience of it, but to have to fight this long to get the justice that they they seem to finally have. It's, it's, uh, you absolute can, respect to to every one of those who fought until the end, like who fought yeah. and fought and fought. It's it's such a serious serious topic that transcends football it's it's amazing it's taken this long to get it right but you know thank god that it's being got right now and um i, I you only wish that they'd had that feeling 27 years yeah, ago there, you know? but for the grace of god that could have been any of us if we'd have been in the semi-final around that era i know i'd have been all, all over the country of course there's no reason why i wouldn't have been yeah if it had been tottenham so uh, a fantastic result on such a, a sad sad situation um it, it's. I don't want to end on that note because it, it's. It's, it's a positive note for them, though. I, I don't mean it up. in a no, no, melancholy of course, way. Yeah, absolutely right to bring it up. Um, I just quickly the score against Chelsea. Two one Spurs. Uh, one all. One all now. Just sorry. On a side note, what, no, you, no, no, Dyer. No, he could miss through concussion. There were rules about how long you have to. Yeah, it looked bad. Whether we, you know. Come out and say it was full, you know, concussion or not. Um, you know, it depends. The game's not as critical now. Maybe we won't. Yeah. Push him to play. Protect him. I think. If we'd have, if we'd have won on Monday, I think we would have won this game. That's what I mean. But yeah. it it doesn't matter when when Chelsea have been utter dog poo for decades. Mm. They still always beat us, no matter yeah. how much better than than them we are. So we lose on Monday night. That's that's it. It goes. It, it all goes. It wow. goes away, and then we focus on the last two games. Yeah, we finish nice. second. That would be the cruelest thing because if Leicester don't win on Sunday, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then <laughs> it's that Chelsea will think that they've done us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're wrong and to finish our season. I mean, it would be fantastic to turn them over. It really would in this because that, that's the last we taboo the to be broken yeah. as well. Stamford Bridge is the last place where we yeah, haven't absolutely. had a victory in the last quarter of a century. And I'd love it to be this time, but I, I just don't think the circumstances are coming together to 
to make it happen, unfortunately. 3 1 Spurs, you bastards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gareth, thank you very much. It's been wonderful having you back. Thanks um, for having me again, mate. I'm looking forward to the pleasure. The, in e- when we see you again in a year's time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jack. Abbas, you look like a um, tag team. Uh, double act. I'm on Twitter now as well, by the way. I was about to do that, and I, uh, well, I'm conveniently ignoring. <laughs> <laughs> conveniently ignoring Fancy League. Uh, start with thank you very much. Let's do it then. At Latchford J, at Abbas C underscore six one nine. Is that right? I think so, yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm not sure what Can it is. Can you change your pitch as well? Because having the the egg makes you look like a a, a spam. Spam box. Well, that's what I do anyway, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Abbas. You're not, fo- you're not following me. You're not following me? Yeah, I am. It's not all about it's reciprocal not all about you. lovings. Uh, I tweeted on um, Sunday night, just a bit, you know, get behind the boys. I wanted fellow fans to, to show their support that I believe we're still going to do it, thinking we would win out and win our remaining games. Didn't at anyone, didn't hashtag Leicester or anything. Yeah. Um, I got a load of abuse oh, really? from a random Man U fan. Don't oh, know why brilliant. he was bothering looking at that. Yeah. Obviously, not people who follow me. Yeah, yeah. Dozen Leicester fans. Brilliant. Um, yeah, just uh, just because. Oh, because you believe didoms, then it's going to happen, is it? Idiots. That's yeah. Twitter. Yeah, that's, that's I'm, I'm Twitter. sure I've been a knob to everyone else though. In this room, at Abbas <laughs> underscore C six one nine. I'm at ASD the brand now, so you can catch ASD. me there. Um, there is a long story behind that um, but I do regret it a little bit now Um, but I haven't got one you haven't got one it's a bit bit newfangled isn't it Uh, I was going to do the fancy Premier League but Jack you're like it's a bit boring isn't it really but you're in the top 750 in the UK Mm. so we're not going to get anywhere near you have you got any excuses for yours apart from you yeah I'm still playing by the rules of (laughs) fancy football league from 92 why why change it the system wasn't broken you've got Joe Hart as your captain so next year you don't have a captain you you only get points for goals assists (laughs) or clean sheets and if you can see more than one goal then you start to go negative don't change it I was going to say not much midfield Rick Holden Nick (laughs) Summerby just pick wingers right that's how you do it I don't like these newfangled ways of doing it. And also, I'm in another I'm podcast. I'm going to fade league, you out. I've never so done I this before. I'm going to fade you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to fade you out. <laughs> oh, man. Um, hey, thanks for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed the interview with Martin Glenn, which you would have heard before we started the show. That's letting you guys in the room now. Um, listen to it, it's really good. And uh, whatever happens on Monday and with Leicester, don't worry, it's amazing that Leicester can win the league at Old Trafford. I mean, I love that idea. Um, whatever happens to them, don't forget, it's all about us. It's all, don't forget, the future's bright, the future's really white. Come on, you Spurs. Aussie's knees have gone all trembly And a Tim requires assembly Danny Montlower Local boy Ledley King Greavesy scoring everything Glenn Hoddle, Chrissy Waddle Lee Young-Kyo Casey Keller, USA Woodgate is not fit to play Ramatini, Kudachini Freddie Canute Gary Mabbitt in Chilin Sergi Rebel for the win Run for me, Nick on me, 4-3 Stout Terry Heroes in white and blue 
We've all loved you since 1882 Even when I'm feeling grey Despite the tears and pain I go to White Hart Lane Lineker playing fair Aldrich here there everywhere Pat Jennings luscious hair Super Vertonghen Avliyachenko number 9 Nine from the halfway line Villas running 81 Under Twin Towers Daniel Levy's transfer steals Harry Redknapp steals on wheels The legend Steve Perryman MBE Hugo Loris clean sheet Ball of Stefan Dalmatti I'm playing at White Hart Lane Nicola Bertie Heroes in white and blue This one's for Billy Nick His football did the trick He showed the world what Spurs could do The League and Cup we won in 1961 Aaron Lennon's lime green shoes Gareth Bailey used to lose Alan Hart and we all knew his passport said to Spain Berbatov turn and strop Hartsy saving from the spot Beat Chelsea at Wembley We lifted the League Cup Maradona is a spur We're the football connoisseurs Chaz and Dave's got me raised Chirpy the cockerel Mendes shoots from halfway Carol fumbling the same Clattenburg Doesn't give the goal Mabizela's work of art Tricky Rafa van der Vaart He's got no head We don't care Martin Martin Yo Lily White's from White Hart Lane Red so Ziegler Sounded just like Ziegler Getting to the grounds of pain Getting nasty blisters down the Seven Sisters Teddy and to equalise Ginger Pele in disguise People speak of the technique that Jason Dozel act Jamie Redknapp on TV We love Alan Mullery Raziak, don't come back Andersimovic Crenshaw substitution Tom Hardlister's distribution Jermaine Defoe, he's Cisco He's linguistic skills Scott Parker could not try harder Danny Rose is Tatiana Darren Bent's headed wide Sandra could have scored that Heroes in blue and white We sold Zakora and we dropped Zamora Spurs make my dark days bright But it makes me sad Postiga was so bad Robbie Keane in the box Edgar David, Dreadlocks, Palacios Stripey Socks, Everson Hattrick Dave Mackay picking fights European Glory Knights Terry Dyson go on my son Cliff Jones on the wing Dean Richards, John White Legendary Lily White How dare I forget Who dare is to do Clive Allen, Paul Allen, Joe Allen, Les Allen, Rory Allen, Russell Allen, Alan Gilsey. Lily White from White Hart Lane, Kazuyuki the Bentley's free kick over, we treat Judas with disdain. His transfer was a farce, so shove him up your arse. And Liam Walker's page three go, Gus Poirier free kick curve. Gomez made super saves, he can shag my wife. Edrington loved the cookies, Andy Reid loved the cookies. Star Wars music and some Wookiees right before the game. Heroes in blue and white, when I feel depressed, think of Janola undressed. Point won't give up the fight. Fox never quits, you can be sure of it Robinson's long shot AVB's deep spot David Howe's on the prowl in the FA Cup Andy Sinton's England call Michael Brown starts a brawl Peter Crouch, eight foot tall Jürgen Klinsmann's dive Arsene 
Wenger's dodgy vision Howard Webb's bad decision Roman Vega playing Sega Sandro's Kung Fu kick Eric Torsdam looking swell Espen Barsley Leonard and Smith and Chip is bound to score Give me more and more and more Heroes in white and blue We like to win style We've done it for a while It's better to rain playing high Football story will echo with glory Lily White and White are May If the budget allows the anchor will be ours Thanks Dave Henson 44 If he were here we'd buy the boy a beer Heroes in white and blue This one's for Billy Nick It's the who did the trick He showed the world what's best to do The League Cup we won in 1961 Story will end.